Hello, welcome to episode 100, the big one o o of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and Mr. Renfrey Deadman. Renfrey, episode 100 we're at now. It's exciting. It's exciting, isn't it? It's a milestone, apparently. Well, it is mm. a milestone, full stop. I mean, Ar- I think we can Around agree. our neck, a millstone around <laughs> our neck. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, we've made it. We've made it to triple figures. We should say a big happy one hundred to Musicism. You know, the only other people who have been with us through every single episode. There might be some people who've listened to it all hundred. Yeah. It's actually hundred. It's actually hundred and one episodes, isn't it? Because episode zero was the first episode. I was going to bring this point up last week and um, couldn't be bothered to. But yes, you're nah. absolutely right. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah. In the old. In the right act universe, this is episode 100. Um, I mean, in reality, we've done something like 160 podcasts because of specials mm. and so on and so forth. So the whole numbering system is totally out of whack. But fuck it. Fuck it. This is the episode 100 of the review based podcast thing that we do. Or the, the weekly Jeff show. Buckley, the, the Jeff Buckley one wasn't. Rev- it doesn't matter. It's, it's like episode it. 100. It's episode 100. Get over it. It's episode 100. <laughs> Musicism have been there for all 100 and one and 60 uh thanks very much to them for um being with us for holding our hand on this fantastic journey hopefully over these 100 episodes many of you have signed up to their fabulous courses that will improve your skills as a musician as a guitarist as a producer as a singer songwriter as all of those things um their online tutorials are fantastic you can get 25 percent off when you put the code right in capitals into the checkout thanks to them for all their continued hard work and support and love Thanks, guys. We really, really appreciate it. That is very, very lovely, lovely, lovely of you. Lovely. Fuck it. Yeah. That, see, this is what happens when I try and be earnest. <laughs> oh, that's the problem. I see. <laughs> yeah. You just it, um, doesn't compute. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not a good broadcaster when I'm earnest. I'm afraid of it. I have to sort of sheet everything in a nice thick sheen of sarcasm and uh, false hatred. Um, on this Why? week's show, we're going to be. We're going to be reviewing new releases from Haim, A.A. Williams, Foxjaw, Hum, and Glorious. Good week. It's a fucking good week. It's a fucking good week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fucking good week. And if that wasn't good enough, if that wasn't enough, the cherry on the top on Broken Records, we beam up William Shatner onto the Broken Records list with his debut album, The Transformed Man, which I am very much looking forward to to talking about. A girl! (laughs) With kaleidoscope eyes. Um, <laughs> oh man, I don't. Yeah, well, I don't even know where to start, but we're going to have to start okay. somewhere, aren't we? We we definitely are. Um, uh, also, we should say, you know, do continue to support us by going onto our Patreon page. Thank you very much for all the people that signed up over the last few months since we started doing classic albums. That's patreon.com forward slash Riot Act Podcast. We recently, this week, we were going to put up our double Queens of Stone Age, kind of double header. I did say that last week um, due to some technical um, tomfoolery that happened. Uh, unfortunately, we had a bit of a, a dodgy line while we were recording the first part of the Queens of Stone Age double bill. So um, we're going to be putting that up when that gets redone. Um, yeah, it's all going to but... be redone. We're still going to have our guest, and it's going to mm-hmm. be fine. It's just going to, yeah, it's just technical gubbins. It's yeah. going to be in a kind of a week's time. But luckily, because Ooh, me and Renfrew have been working. Don't say, don't say that. <laughs> don't say a week's time. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to be. It's going to be sometime. 
I didn't say a week's time. I said a few weeks' time. Sorry. You said very quietly. Okay. Well, anyway, listen, it's not going to be done in a a week's time. It's not. Um, But anyway, luckily, because Renfrey and I have been working um, very hard behind the scenes doing lots and lots of classic albums, we've got a bit of a pool of them, which meant that rather than just going, oh, sorry, we haven't got anything, we could put up our special on Pinkerton by Weezer. Mm. Yeah, um, which I've been... of a pretty good replacement for those Queens of Stone Age ones, I would say. I've been really impatient for people to hear it because was it was it Pinkerton that you said I went Sherlock on or something? I don't know, but basically I I poured my fucking heart and soul into that record because it is a fascinating album, isn't it? In terms of uh, oh yeah, how it was received, how it continues to be received. Um, how people, how fans really didn't like it at the time, but these days fans are clamouring for Weezer to do anything that is vaguely Pinkerton esque. The shift well, I think, is fascinating. Mm, I think if you're a, if you're a fan of Weezer and you sort of if you're if you're younger and you just say you're like 25 now and you discovered Weezer and you went back and you heard the Blue Album and Pinkerton and the Green Album and you were like, oh my god, this band are incredible. You would probably assume due to the way that people talk about Pinkerton now, you would probably assume that it's like Appetite for Destruction or, you know, Master of Puppets and that everybody always said, oh my God, what a fantastic album. But that's not the case. The kind of, the journey that Pinkerton, the album has been on from the fans, from the critics, from the band themselves has been mad. Um, So it's not quite just the, the kind of the rubber stamped, this is an instant modern classic done from year dot it's been a it's been a funny old ride for that album isn't it do you agree it's the best i can't remember we did this chat so long ago now i can't remember if that was your feelings or not i mm, i somebody said i hope we get somebody actually said on our patreon page oh i really hope we get the blue album one day I think you will get the blue album from me one day. Oh, excellent. Okay, cool. Mm. I I would I would happily do the blue album because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost neck and neck. I I would mm. go with Pinkerton, but yeah, blue album's fucking amazing. I think um I was one of those people who didn't immediately go to Pinkerton, so the blue album's got a bit it's a, there's a little bit more nostalgic love for it. Although yeah, I yeah. think in, if I'm looking at it completely, you know, analytically there's not a lot to split the two of them really those are the two i think and i think you know the white album's great and the green album's great and lots of you know maladroit anyway we're not talking about weezer um go and sign up to the if you want if you hey if you like that chat just imagine what the three hour one's like cool well it's like um, that but it's three hours instead of two it's minutes. like that yeah so you will get you will get a queens of stone age special at some point that'll be renfrey's next or second to next pick um we've also got blurs park life in the pot which is my next one that might be the next one although renfrey and i are talking about doing another brace of albums um which i'm gonna keep under my hat um but i think probably that that will be the next thing that goes out it'll be a brace of albums from a very very good underground band which i'm excited about doing that that's what i would like it to be yes yes yeah 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 and we've got some others that we've done as well which we're going to sort of keep uh, got a couple of surprises coming up because there's another we might be on episode 100 now but it's our birthday coming up quite soon isn't it so we're probably going to make more of a big deal of that since it's episode 100 we asked our listeners for some questions about the show um and you sort of said i mean you in typical metal Lama podcast style you asked us like what's the most punk rock cheese and stuff like that we're not asking that guys we were like sort of <laughs> we were like you know what 
would you like to know about the sort of genesis of the show? And we thought because it's episode 100, it's nice to look back and go, oh, look what we've done in 100 episodes. So those were more the sort of questions that we were asking for. Thanks for getting involved all the That's, same. Yeah, I was going to say, but thank <laughs> you for your questions anyway. <laughs> thank you for your questions anyway. But I'm just sort of but warning read you that the we, fucking post next no, we've time. Only, we've, we've only picked the ones that are sort of were relevant to um, yeah. what we sort of wanted to talk about, which was yes. sort of the genesis of the show, if you're interested in it. Um, we'll do a sort of silly Q&A towards the end of the year. Yeah. But, um, that's fine. Anyway, um, Joshua Habens. This is a big old can of worms that he's asking about straight away. <laughs> hey, lads. I completely understand if there are certain things you don't, if you can't stroke, don't want to say, stroke, reveal, stroke, answer. But I'm definitely curious as to how Right Act came about. I was a huge fan of something else back in the day and was excited when Renfrey began hosting for however many limited episodes it was. Don't remember that personally. And was disappointed, confused when he disappeared again. Don't know what he's on about. Um, so yeah, how did how did riot how did riot act come about, um, mate? I've I will say go and listen if you want to hear my sort of thoughts about this. Um, I did our good friend Matt Stocks Life in the Stocks podcast. I did an interview with him and I sort of talked about my entire broadcasting career. Um, in, I believe it was episode one hundred and seventeen. I think well, that's right. Yeah, one hundred and seventeen. Um, so, you know, I would suggest that if you're really, really interested in my side of things, um, I'll chip in here. But really, mm. since it was sort of your, um, you pushed pretty hard for it, Renfrey. So I'm going to let you take this one. Well, I thought, um, I mean, that I, I can't go into the full details, basically. Um, but a, I thought um, you've had an opportunity to talk about it for uh, before. Um, I'm certainly got, not going to natter on for two hours because that would be a bit of a downer for an episode 100. Um, but uh, I do, I do appreciate. <laughs> what are you saying about my thing with Matt? It, was, it wasn't just. <laughs> I did a joke about Amazon in there. Whatever. It was a, it was a great podcast, mate. But it was a bit of a downer. Um, uh, but um, I understand that there are people who are very confused by that whole scenario, and it must be incredibly frustrating for them. So. I figured, well, enough time's passed for me to be able to say something, I suppose. Um, a shortish version I can tell here is that I, what I signed up to do at That's Not Metal, I'm pretty happy to say what it was, is very different to what actually ended up happening. I think it's fair to say. Obviously, feel free to interject at any time, Steve. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> when I started, I was asked to come on part-time to cover album reviews until Christmas. I was asked to come on around sort of February, March time. Uh, come Christmas, I would take over. The idea was I'd take over as full-time uh, full as co-host to you. Um, I was meant to take over from Terry eventually, take over from his position. Uh, but over a period of nine months or so. That was the initial plan. Uh, that plan changed very, very quickly. Within two days, in fact, uh, I found myself editor of That's Not Metal. I was putting in way more than full-time hours to keep up with all the ideas that were spewing forth from the That's Not Metal camp. Many of those ideas I was extremely uncomfortable with personally as uncomfortable as how i feel now that's <laughs> we can edit bits we can edit bits yeah and we can edit this out um mm -hmm. 
And I felt that the modus operandi was to create as much content as possible, regardless of quality, to try and justify a wildly overpriced subscription service, which none of us were particularly happy with in the first place. Um, it was a very dictatorial organization. That's not metal. I'm guessing it still is. And whilst I'd been given the title of editor, I discovered very quickly that if I proposed any direction change or compromise on what Terry wanted, there was absolutely no way it was going to happen. And with the amount of time I was plowing into it and with no control in exchange for that time, plus the rather dubious ideas that were being put forward, as well as the extremely immoral and downright ludicrous methods that were being proposed to put those ideas in motion, I decided I'd rather not be a part of That's Not Metal and asked to leave after being part of it for just one month. I think we ended up doing three shows together, maybe four. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that not That's Not Metal had been such a time drain that it had caused my work to suffer at The Independent. A day after I left That's Not Metal, I was let go by The Independent. So... That's Not Metal created a massive clusterfuck of events that changed my life for the worst, basically, until I decided to take action and change it for the better. Um, despite the fact that I'd left That's Not Metal, um, Steve was calling me on a regular basis, sometimes just to see how I was doing. Uh, often, I hope it's, you don't mind me saying, to vent about what was happening <laughs> back at TNM. Yeah, I was um, very miserable then. Very, you, were, very miserable. you were not. I was a miserable you were person. And I sort of politely listened for a few weeks. Um, but eventually it occurred to me that if you were so unhappy and I had now effectively found myself jobless, why don't we just start something ourselves? I mean, I think that's something that happened over the course of a couple of months and it wasn't sort of an instant sort of switch or anything like that. No, I mean, I actually, just to sort of jump in, I had left by the time I even really thought. I mean, initially... I was just like, well, fuck it. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do anything like this anymore. I'm done. And I actually really enjoyed, I mean, something we'll get onto in a minute. Mm. I really enjoyed having the time to listen to lots of different types of music. And I found myself mm. going, oh, suddenly I don't have four or five different albums from shit pop punk bands or, you know, really kind of derivative metalcore bands that I have to listen to every week. And that's great. Um, and, and I think so, that I think that in and of itself influenced the show. Massively, yeah actually. really massively and i started listening to you know completely different music going back and listening to the music that i was listening to when i was a kid and then also finding stuff and like listening to six music a lot at work and stuff which mm. you know mm. is br like the majority of six music is fucking brilliant so um yeah and i was like oh this is this is really cool but that's yeah. about the amount of that i really thought about it i was just like oh it's really nice to broaden out again and listen to lots of different types of music but we'll talk about that yeah yeah Excuse yeah me, in a minute and i think as we were talking about it i mean if i'm honest and i hope you don't mind me saying i think it i think you took a little bit of convincing initially there were definitely reservations at first not that we have to go yeah. into them now but there were definitely reservations initially but once steve was fully on board he was totally committed he had some brilliant ideas uh so we crafted our idea and our vision for the podcast together um and chatted about it over the phone for hours and hours and hours or in person and riot act was born as a result and it was very much i'd like to think that it was very democratic and i started it wanting to be democratic and take on work work alongside with someone which wasn't what was happening before i think rather mm. than sort of work in a dictatorship 
Um, I guess that makes it all sound so simple, really. I mean, it really <laughs> wasn't. It really no. wasn't simple at all. Um, that's the super truncated version. And, and <laughs> amazingly, whilst I have wanged on for five, ten minutes, that is the super truncated version. There's a much longer version of the story, some details of which will probably never be revealed for legal reasons. Hmm. Um, but uh, yes, that is basically the story in a very truncated fashion. Are you happy with that? <laughs> I'm not sure if you are, but... <laughs> I'm, well, you know, I, I don't want it. To be honest, like, I don't want to fucking take pot shots at anyone uh, at all, really. I don't care. Um, I, all I will say is that I felt pretty miserable when I... I felt pretty miserable doing what I'd been doing before. And I, I mean, actually, I would put in... I, I felt pretty miserable doing what I was doing for Metal Hammer and what I was doing you know away from metal hammer as well and um and i think there was a little switch where hammer started using me for slightly different stuff and um you know like doing the boston hardcore scene and i i sort of started begging jonathan seltzer going oh man can can i do stuff in subterranea because mm. i'm getting more into sort of more extreme and weirder stuff and mm. you know and and i sort of i had a couple of chats with um with merlin and with jonathan and i would pitch a lot of stuff to eleanor the features editor there as well and sort of go like you know i'd like to do this and i'd like to do that and they were really nice and they sort of started listening to me rather than because before i would do like oh we can get you doing we came as romans i think i've said all this stuff before like doing we came as romans and um you know uh, fucking um asking alexandria and stuff so in that change that was like oh this is quite nice that i've got this and it's a bit better and um and that improved and it just sort of made me realize how little the other thing was sort of giving me any sort of satisfaction really and you know um once i sort of binned it off and I started going, I'm going to go and listen to, you know, I mean, yeah, U2 was the big one. Listening to U2 live in Paris. And I was like, fucking hell, I used to love U2. And then it became listen to Depeche Mode. And then it was like, oh, I'm going to listen to The Drift again because I've not listened to that for years. And um, and I think one of the things I said to you is that to kind of nobody's do it. Nobody's treating full of hell and uh and doing it like the 1975 a long time alongside full as hell no one's doing kind yeah. of modern pop this kind of or more cutting edge instrument like exciting pop music with really really cutting edge metal music and and there just seems to be like so much guff and fluff in the metal scene even though it was like it was a pretty good time for rock sort of 2017 2018 it but, was but yeah. there was a there was a, obviously as always there's a lot of shit and i think i just was like there's got to be a way where we can find the really really best stuff of all these different genres of music and condense it into one show and i think if if we hadn't have done that i'm not sure i would have been that interested in doing it because i certainly didn't want to do more just like you know punk and hardcore and metal stuff i just didn't i just wasn't really interested in just covering that you know listening when i was spending my most of my days listening to to like rem i didn't want to just go back to listening to sort of you know covering bloody from within or something i just didn't want to do that um so yeah that i think that was a big sort of this has to happen from my I was like, if this is going to happen that's what i want it to happen and i'm really glad it did because i mean actually to move on to um 
the next question. Uh, ben Wilmot says, on occasions you guys express your love and adoration for acts like Scott Walker or Talk Talk and a whole bunch of others who I'm sure are completely different versus each other, but none would have made it onto previous projects you've worked on um, when it was all about the metals. Uh, would you say your love for other styles of music has gone up since Right Act started where you can talk about it a lot more or was it always there and just never broadcast? Certainly the second for me. It was definitely always there. I think it was for you as well, wasn't it? Very much so. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like I had a slightly... Di well, I, I had a very different platform to you, I think. I mean, I mm. was at The Independent. And actually, the thing with me working at The Independent is what was weird was me putting an album stream of nails on that was the weird thing if i had yeah, covered yeah. if i'd covered the 1975 they would have been like oh great you're doing what people should be doing and there would have been less of a um <laughs> uh back and forth about that i can't talk specifically about scott walker or talk talk because you've chosen two artists there ben that i got into as a result of working on right act um i wouldn't say my palette has widened as such but I certainly know a lot more about what's going on in, for example, the indie world now. I, I had a sort of, mm -hmm. I mean, for example, I'm so grateful to have discovered a band like The National, um, which I totally discovered through Riot Act. And, you know, for some reason, I dismissed this band purely based purely on the fact that they had a the prefix. And so many bands with the prefix coming out right around that time were so diabolical. I just put them in with all of that stuff. But then, you know, you, there was a new national album coming out. You said, oh, we should cover this. So I was like, oh, OK, I've never even bothered paying them attention. And, and one of my favorite bands now, I think they're fucking incredible, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, I definitely listened to this kind of music before Riot as well. In some cases, I worked with some of those artists. I mean, I made a small list of riot act-esque bands that i worked did stuff for the independent like emma ruth rundle mogwai physics house band ocean size down i go hugar sleep makes waves blanket i covered all of those bands at the independent um as well as more metal fair such as rollo tomasi armin ra carbom zeal and nails and opeth you know so in a sense i was sort of i had the freedom to do that stuff before um i guess riot act was just sort of an extension of it um, yeah, but I suppose the weird thing with this is I'm kind of people refer to me as a metal journalist, and I'm very happy to be seen as a metal journalist because I guess my whole thing with the indie was trying to get more metal on there, more metal and post rock primarily. Um, but weirdly, I didn't come from a metal background in the same way that you did, just in terms of um publications that we work for and stuff like that obviously i dip my oar into metal hammer occasionally these days but that's very much on a freelance basis i wouldn't say i'm totally in with that sort of crowd if that makes sense although i'm very happy to work mm. metal hammer it's nice yeah um for me yeah i mean there was a certain like certainly when i i mean i think as i've said before you know growing up and getting into u2 and my first band i loved was madness and i really liked the cure when i was growing up and i really liked um Duran Duran and you know and all that stuff and it was always something that you know I I I never stopped liking it um or REM you know I never stopped liking those bands and I always like hip-hop as well you know I always like before I think before I got into metal I was listening to sort of iced tea and stuff like that so I I always really liked a lot of music I'd like I got into music before I got into metal really um mm. it's just that i really fell in love with metal in the sort of 90s and then hardcore in the sort of early 2000s and then um 
I think I've spoken about getting into more indie stuff and then sort of falling back in love with metal. And I went in really back in hard in metal um, around the sort of turn of, you know, 2007 to about 2010, 11. I mean, when I started doing the Metal Hammer podcast, I was mostly listening to metal, really. And I was, Mm. you know, trying to fill all these gaps I had that I'd missed from just a couple of years of not really listening to it. But in that time, I'd also found sort of block party and that had made me want to go and listen to Gang of Four and blah, 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 blah. And then when you, you know, when you could suddenly download everything, anything and everything for free off of various torrent sites, like when my mate told me, oh, you can come around and fill your fucking 80 gig iPod with like every fucking album ever made. Well, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to fill it full of Captain Beefheart and do you know what I mean? And and, and Dylan and, and, and Death, like... Why wouldn't you do that? Um, so I, why, but why I definitely, constrain you, why constrain yourself? Yeah, for I sure. Guess. But why then, bother? you know, I, I had to be, you know, I had to be under the, you know, under the constraints of, not the constraints, but under the sort of remit of working for in a publication like Metal Hammer. Yeah. What's the point of talking about how much you like Duran Duran? Yeah. You know, what's the point? What's the point of saying how great Susie and the Banshees are when you're on, I mean, even when you're on Team Rock Radio, I was like, this is great. I'll be able to play, you know, Susie and the Banshee. And I remember playing The Cure once and the Twitter just went mad. Like, fuck this. This is shit. This is not rock. I mean, they were tossers anyway, but you know. Definitely um, rock. It's definitely rock. It's definitely, it's definitely rock. I mean, and, um, it's not you metal, know, and but it's rock. It's not metal, but it's definitely rock. And then, you know, those people are idiots. And and even, I mean, one of the most, I think one of the most frustrating things when you start up your own venture and you go, okay, well now, like if you position yourself so far away from, like we don't want to be like Kerrang, we don't want to be like Metal Hammer, we're like their own thing, like blah, blah, blah. Like for me, it was frustrating when you get loads of people tweeting me going, oh, you know, are you going to be reviewing the new Radiohead on the podcast? And it'd be like, no, 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 they're not, they're not a rock band. This has nothing to do with rock music. Or I remember somebody once going, will you be doing a new Super Furry Animals? And the guy just getting absolutely like laughed at. And I was like, well, I mean, we did Against the Current last week. And you're telling me that Super Furry Animals are not relevant. I mean, it's fucking, it was weird. And it's just sort of thought, well, you're kind of letting Kerrang dictate what is and isn't rock music still. And, and I don't want, like, no, with all respect, you know, all due respect to Kerrang, um, I don't really want them deciding what I think is and isn't rock music. I'll decide that. Thanks very much. And um, and now I've just decided that, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, PJ Harvey and Talk Talk, for example, have as much to do with the type of music that I like and listen to and have enough similarities, probably have more similarities with some of the artists that we're going to cover today who I think are, you know, completely um, alternative and completely um, relevant to that kind of listenership. I, I hope people, I hope people have ended up, you know, and I think a lot of people that listen are more than happy to listen to us talk about, a, you know, a kind of underground black metal band and then talk about the 1975 as well. Like, mm. you know, I mean, they, obviously those two things are hugely, hugely different, but, they're you know they're only different if you desperately want them to be different you know what i mean like i think there are more similarities between maybe not a black metal band in the 1975 but there are more similarities between the majority of artists that we cover than there are differences i think phoebe, I certainly, Bridge, phoebe I, bridges and swans there's a lot more similarities yeah, than people a would lot think. more similarities in phoebe between phoebe bridges and swans than there is between um against the current and code orange 
agreed anyway um so yeah basically i always sort of like that stuff and so did renfrey um ali finley says bearing in mind both of your backgrounds has moving to talk about a broader genre made it easier or harder in terms of picking which albums to review every week and how do you go about the process of choosing that's a very good question um renfrey does it <laughs> uh i don't know man like um that is mainly true but i think there are you in general kind of put together like this is coming out this is coming out and you're pretty good at doing that whereas i go oh that band who i think would be really really good for us to cover have got an album coming out and i'll chuck in those yeah, things usually. i think that's i think that's fair um i think um i mean i mean just to answer the question um is it easier or made harder? I'd say it's harder because there's more to choose from. It's as simple as that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just to reiterate what you're saying, generally I draw up a rough album review schedule. We have a Google Doc. Um, Steve will check it out from week to week. I try to include a mix of stuff, things that I know will interest both me and Steve. Sometimes I pick something which I would predominantly say is in your interests and and some, something that if you weren't involved in the show i wouldn't go near personally but i go well steve's gonna have something to contribute to this so so i do try to think of both of us there's definitely things that i miss and occasionally um you'll go oh you've missed this and i think uh, uh hey i kind i kind of missed Haim, yeah. Haim, yeah. um because i just uh, and and when you said we should cover them i you i was like oh you're absolutely right why on earth didn't i put Haim in there um you know um but yeah i think generally that's how it works um i think that's fair to say um yeah i mean there's definitely like um uh, if we tend to cover a bigger indie band like say that i don't know i'm thinking of like the now you mentioned the national i mean the 1975 i had to push pretty hard to cover the 1975 i really wanted to cover billy eilish when that came out i'm always um i'm generally sort of quite interested in big artists that i've never really covered before like we reviewed coldplay which some people sort of went oh yeah why are you covering coldplay but you know neither me or renfrey have had a chance to talk about coldplay before in a medium like this um Mm. so i wanted to do that even though i thought the album was absolute dog shit we probably won't be doing the next coldplay album but every time one of those bands comes along you know i think neil young released a new album recently and we like last a couple of weeks ago and we haven't covered it we may get around to covering it at some point neil young obviously is an incredibly important and vital artist for the general oeuvre of what we do but we did review his new album from last year so you know it's like you have to weigh up how long ago it was that you first covered that artist and how important they are in terms of like speaking about every single thing mark lanagan we cover every single mark lanagan album because i think every single mark lanagan album is probably going to be really different and will have its own unique little twist and flavor and both of us just fucking love mark lanagan and we think you should go and listen to every mark lanagan album so i guess that's the difference really isn't it yeah 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 there's there's an even better example than the neil young one you gave um paul weller's releasing an album this week and we had a bit of discussion behind the scenes as to whether we'd cover it or not and we thought the last one was fucking rubbish and yeah. um, there's no real reason to think this one will be even better. And we basically, you know, we knew we wouldn't get the stream in time, which we haven't. So it's just, it's just kind of like, sometimes you just go, well, do we really need to cover that old ground again? Mm. Um, uh, yeah. And I just think that's a better example than the Neil Young one. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But yes. then saying that as well, Paul Weller <laughs> will be that, you know, 
Paul Weller is a really good example, actually, because yes, says we're not doing this new album and I doubt we will. But Paul Weller is still, even though we slagged him off on that pretty rubbish album that he did last time round. Um, He's one of your classic albums, isn't he? He will be coming up on classic albums. So, mm. you know, I think we didn't pick Paul Weller to shit on him or to be like, ah, no, look at this no, old no, no. fucking indie twat. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just the way it happened. So, yeah, it's a, it's a variety of reasons and things that go into sort of putting the review schedule together i think just to add to that as well i mean we try to cover some big releases without ever getting bogged down in covering every new release which i think you've kind of just eloquent rather eloquently said sort of i think the main reason for this speaking for myself certainly is i i think you'd agree with this uh, i just don't want to put in words in your mouth but i primarily want riot act to be a place where people can discover new music um that's always been mm. the exciting part of it for me i think mm. uh we try not to own it in a dishonorable way but there's always a small element of pride that comes into our work when we see someone post a comment that says something like i don't know the new aa williams is amazing would never just have listen discovered... to backwash yeah yeah would never have discovered them had it not been for riot act or heard about this amazing metal slash hip-hop crossover act on riot act called backwash you know when people say those things and make those comments and and we see it. It, it 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 is really heartwarming and it means an awful lot and it can if you're having a shit day and you see a comment like that it can totally turn around your day i've found like yeah it, it's that I, powerful i think it's also worth i mean we did the dylan album last week and at first i was like ah it's going to be rubbish but i mean hopefully you went and li like people who maybe never listened to bob dylan before i mean yeah. if you're someone who's come to this because you used to listen to the metal hammer podcast or whatever or you know and you've just never really even thought about someone like Bob Dylan as an artist worth listening to. I mean, Ben, who just asked that last question that we were talking about, um, he was uh, going, oh, I've just listened to Gold Against the Soul for the first time. I've never listened to yeah. the Manics before. And you think, well, that's fucking brilliant. Like there yeah. are going to be a bunch of people who probably grew up on, you know, just listening to metal or maybe just listen to punk or maybe they just listen to rock or maybe they just listen to indie do you know what i mean they just listen to sort of 90s music who have started listening to the show and might maybe have gone oh well i will listen to bob dylan i will listen to springsteen or i mean we weren't that keen on the springsteen record but you know people are like mm, yeah maybe i will give lou reed a, a go or scott walker a go i think that's 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 cool you know mm. I, I mean i have to hold my hands up and say talk talk have become sort of my favorite fucking band in the world over the last sort of two years. And it's only because my boss at my work was like, Oh, you ever listened to talk talk? And I said, yeah. And he was like, well, what about this one? And I had never listened to, um, you know, the spirit, uh, the spirit of Eden or laughing stock. Right. And I had no, idea, and I had no idea that they went in that direction. I knew the hits and that was about it. Mm. So, you know, like we're not, it doesn't matter that you've not heard that stuff before. Like, I, I mean, the last thing I'd want to do is be like, you've never heard Bob Dylan. Uh, like at people, you don't want to be absolutely, that guy. And I don't, and I don't, not, I don't think we are, but you know, like hopefully it has made people want to listen to big artists that maybe they might not have bothered with before, but I don't know. You'll have to let us know that. It's not for me to say, is it? Um, this is sort of a similar kind of question to Ben's one, but it's slightly different. Mark Baker says, since covering a wider range of genres that you've possibly done in the past, are you noticing your tastes change? For instance, in your private time, do you find yourself listening to stuff you'd never have considered previously, such as with Steve Post Rock or with Renfrey Hip Hop? You busting out 
Diant word behind me, my back rent by any chance. <laughs> um, uh, to answer Mark's question and not your silly question, Stephen. Uh, yes, but not as much as I would like to is the short answer. Um, I really feel that if I had the time to invest more in albums from, say, Run the Jewels or Clipping, I could potentially really get into them. Um, the thing is, when we do get time to listen to what we actually want to listen to rather than what has to be listened to for Riot Act or for Metal Hammer or for our job, basically. Jobs. Um, that is a very short, sweet, precious time uh, for me. I don't know what it's like for you. I assume it's the same for you. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the temptation to whack on something comforting that I already know during those times is incredibly strong when I've mm. spent all week listening to music that I don't know. I would say I roughly... If you're breaking up the week, I would say most weeks I roughly get about a day where I can comfortably listen to whatever the fuck I want to listen to. So it's one day out of seven. So it's pretty precious rare time. Um, and I'm going to have to be in one hell of a discovery mood to want to whack on the Run the, Jewel album, Run the Jewels album during that time. As brilliant as it is. Um, so... Yeah, um, it, it's a kind of, I mean, I don't want to sound like one of these moaning pricks who's like, oh, it's so hard being a rock journalist because it's really not um, in, in the main. But it is one of, one of the parts of the job that people don't consider. They don't think when they're thinking about upsides and downsides, the upsides of doing what we do are so much more obvious and apparent than the downsides, I think. And one of the downsides that people don't consider, I certainly didn't consider it before sort of accidentally falling into this career path, is your hobby does become your work. And I don't know about you, Steve, but um, I used to listen to music to relax and chill out. And I occasionally do that still with sort of ambient stuff. Um, but music rarely feels like I'm ch chilling out now because I suppose I put on work mode and start kind of going hmm, well where does this sit in the band's discography and why is this a massive improvement on the last record and that process almost becomes automatic for me when I listen to music I'm not saying oh and this is my cross and I must bear it or anything like that it's just it's just it's just one of those things that sort of happens when you mm. analyze music to the degree that we do and as mm. as often as we do it um, mm. but sometimes that's a cool thing especially when you return to a record you've not listened to in ages and you go oh that's genius because of this I, I re-listened to um, The Royal Society by the 80s Matchbox Beeline Disaster the other day okay. what a fucking record absolutely brilliant I can't even know if I've last time I listened to that would have been oh, a long time so good yeah well, it would have been a long time for me as well but like on one of those days and I and I because it had been years and yet like the last time I listened to that I wasn't doing music journalism definitely Mm. And I had a whole new appreciation for it. So sometimes it's fucking cool, but sometimes yeah. it's I, hard. Go on. Mm. I don't um, finish, more or less. No, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of that. What I would say is if you were to, if you were to go back to 2016 and divvy up my listening habits, it would probably be about 70 to 75% metal punk whatever um you know hardcore uh rock music and when i say rock i mean in the very kind of the literal definition of kerrang metal hammer 
esque bands. So that was about 75% of my listening habits, although I would usually have six music on uh, at work. But when I would go to pick what I was listening to, it was usually what am I reviewing? Um, and then away from that, you know, I would, yeah, I would probably, probably 75, 70 to 75% of the time, I would put on some sort of rock music, some sort of metal, and then I would have a sort of 30% um, of other stuff, which would usually be some sort of 90s hip hop, maybe some sort of weird electronic music from about 2001 and 80s pop. And that was mostly what I listened to that I would get like 10% each. At this point, I reckon metal makes up about metal and, and punk and stuff probably makes up about 40% of what I listen to when I choose to put music on. Mm. So that has changed quite dramatically. Mm. I mean, if you're counting shit like aiming for Enrique and Maserati, both two albums, which I have absolutely rinsed this year. If I get a spare moment, I have rinsed both of those records. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously I've, rinse the code orange album yeah even more so so you know like i've probably listened to that more than anything i've listened to the run the jewels album loads listened to the backwash album loads there have been loads of albums from this year that i think are really really fucking good trivium okay. album i've listened to listened to a whole bunch of times um and but when i do go fuck what do i want to what do i want to listen to it's really sort of widened up and i have to say um i've got into a bit of a routine um since lockdowns happened where i put a record on every day oh, nice. every day i will put i will listen to an album back to front from my vinyl collection now if you follow me on instagram you could probably see a lot of them i've not been putting loads of them up recently but like yesterday i listened to ill communication by the beastie boys all the way through the day before that i listened to rocket from the crypt um scream jack and scream all the way through the day before that it was like death i think with human they're the last few that i put up but i put you know I try and make a point of putting on a record that I know and love and all the albums that I've got are albums that I know and love. So I try and make a point of putting a record on every day and going, I'm just going to listen to this just for the, for the next hour, just for the sheer love of this particular record. And that's pretty nice. You know, that's a pretty nice thing to do. I've got a little room set up now with that spare room that's just got my stereo in. It's got all my old Kerrangs and stuff in it and it's got all my vinyl in it. And I can just go in there and sit down on the chair and sit back and stick it on and have it blare straight at me and um and i've actually found that from my listening habits that i would rather on vinyl listen to like extreme metal like metal and sort of you know extreme metal particularly it's not that pleasant an experience listening to that on vinyl a lot of the time it's sort of sitting back and experiencing that the album as a whole you know sitting down and going oh, what do i want to listen to and then having like Bleh! come out at you is not always actually that pleasant experience so i found you know goodbye goodbye yellow brick road by elton john and i've got i bought an old um really old second hand greatest hits of bob dylan springsteen uh, i've got a few springsteen albums we've got um van morrison um what's the big van morrison one called i've got i can't remember i don't even know what it's called now um, um but we play oh for fuck's sake but shit like that like harvest by neil young as well um and I do find myself going to to that sort of far more than I do to my Black Dahlia murder records. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Um, so I yeah, just in general, I think my Astral Weeks habits. That's it. Yeah. Sorry, that was gonna. I wouldn't have been able to concentrate until I. I'm not. I'm, I'm not much. Much to my girlfriend's dismay, I'm not much of a Van Morrison fan to be honest. But oh, that's a great record though, Astral Weeks. Yeah, that's, that's all right. She ah, likes it. Enough. 
That's I'm not. I'm, I, I really am not bothered by Van Morrison. I like this. Like when I'm sitting there and it's on, I do. But there's something about the kind of that warm, nice sound that music like that, especially if you get an old record of it, sounds. And, you know, it's it's far more relaxing than whacking on fucking Chaos AD. We've talked about Although this Although I do like that. We've talked about um, this before. I mean, I mean, music that was made um, for vinyl in the vinyl era is going to sound better than music that wasn't. Um, just to pick up on a point you made two minutes ago, listening to extreme metal music on vinyl, it's, it really isn't the right format for it, is it? I, 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 I'm totally I with you on that. I don't know. I think some of it is, because Matt, I've basically, I, I've, I've basically, um, we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a writer's review on death at some point, um, yeah. uh, which I should say, Scream Bloody Gore by death. And I've ordered pretty much the entire, uh, the entire death back catalog on vinyl. Death, make, death makes more sense because it's mm. from, well, Scream Bloody uh, yeah. Gore is from 87. But I, mm. I, I, I think I mean more a kind of modern, like something released in the last yeah. five years. Yeah, like Thy Art is Murder does not sound, yeah. Yeah. you don't need exactly. that on on vinyl i mean i know you don't need it full stop but (laughs) i i I actually do need it um but yeah i i think yeah if you're looking at kind of the deathcore stuff that that doesn't really work on but there is something really i mean when i listen to like human by death um that sounds great on and actually i had it i put enslaved up on my instagram recently and that last was it the last enslaved album yeah it was the last enslaved album which sounds fucking great on vinyl really really great so i think stuff like really at atmospheric black metal or kind of quite grim arcane death metal sounds like from back in the day sounds really good on vinyl but sitting in a in my nice wicker chair and relaxing with a sort of you know black dahlia murder (laughs) yeah with a cup of tea and a biscuit with bonjour at my feet is not particularly relaxing in compared to like whacking on um the unforgettable fire or whatever so you know uh anyway let's move on um but yes broadly i think my tastes have not really changed but certainly been divvied out slightly uh mark a on twitter says how do you see the show evolving in the future are you happy with where it is now or would you like to do more if you had more time stroke investment um i've certainly got more time than i used to have that's for sure Hmm. we have shit loads of ideas to be fair Mm. um if anything we have at the moment we have more ideas than we have time to actually kind of um integrate but we are constantly talking about new ideas and new things that we want to do for the show i mean obviously as has been you know i'm not going to reveal any of them because we've discussed this in the past about how i don't like to reveal these ideas Mm. until they're kind of sorted and done but yeah i mean we definitely definitely have plans and we do want to make this we are both fully invested in making riot act i suppose on the surface riot act seems like our main gig and in many ways it is um if you looked at it from a sort of oh god i don't know this is a really financial? Bad, well financial point of view. Yeah, I was like, I mean, from a financial point of view, it, is, it isn't. Uh, I suppose we would like to get it to the point where Riot Act is enough of a financial success for us to be able to get our main wage from it. And in turn, I think that will make the show better because we'll have more time to invest into Riot Act, if that makes sense. Um, mm. I mean, it's the same old push and pull between creative endeavors and commercial viability isn't it um yeah i think i mean in terms of like in terms of well no go on you 
you pick well up. i was gonna say i mean in terms of the show evolving i mean i think it's sort of um, it's quite long admittedly so and we don't you, you do keep adding stuff to it so i guess it'd be little other strands of different things that we can do and you know we've usually yeah. got to, i i've now got a lot more time to do that i mean you know whether i go back to my job or whatever happens who fucking knows i don't really know what's gonna happen but um i'm not even sure i want to really but <laughs> might have to um but do i have more you know i mean there's stuff like broken records i think broken records could have been a podcast on its own mm, we were talking you know about I mean? that just the other day yeah. yeah yeah it's got to the point where i'm like this actually would have been a good podcast to do just as a like a bit like classic albums just do it completely on its own i mean this is basically a review show and i think if we come up with another idea like like that we'll probably will go let's just start making it specials but then i'm a little bit wary to be like more 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 really because i suppose if you do add more and more and more stuff we've seen that i think some people just want a free podcast some people do just want a free weekly podcast that reviews albums and that's absolutely fine that's totally fine so yeah so i think that should be the kind of main source of it but yeah i think doing interviews and doing other little weird features that we can think of there's always something that would be cool Um, i mean it's a sort of an added thing to fred sorder on twitter said do you have any ambitions for the pod that are curtailed by lack of funding or listenership would love to know if a greater audience stroke income could lead to anything cool you want to do and then perhaps us fans of the show can work to try and make it happen i mean what i would say fred is that you fans of the show trying to make it happen it's really not your responsibility um to make it happen do you know what i mean i don't think that i you know we're always like we would love everyone who listens to give us five pound on the patreon to listen really to listen to the classic albums which are great i mean that's why i I think we're both super proud of those um that classic album podcast that we've been doing and i think that's why we're sort of giving quite a lot of them away at the moment as a free as the sort of first half of a freebie because we just want people because we we just want people to hear them them. yeah I i would rather like you know if it's only a sort of few hundred people that are going to hear it, that seems like a real shame. Yeah. Um, and that to me is, is the sort of most important thing that's like is having people hear stuff. And I guess the bigger audience you get, the more likely you are to get a sponsorship or whatever, mm. and then you can do more stuff. But so really it's not your responsibility to financially back us to do more things. It's, but if you do want to tell people that we're a podcast that is worth listening to, then by all means do that. That's probably the best thing to do. I completely agree with all of that. And um, I'm not making this point to, um, uh, to, to to go against anything that you've just said there. One thing I will say, if every single person who listened to this um, put a pound into the Patreon, we would be sorted. <laughs> we would be so far, we'd be beyond our sort of main goals for the show like almost four times as much i think um but that's you know but it doesn't work like that and and we Mm. we're aware of that and we're not uh, this isn't a plea this isn't a plea for me to say can all of you put a pound in please Uh, like if you want to wonderful that's great but if you don't that's fine as well and we've always kind of tried to maintain that attitude i think with it um but i would say in 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 a weird way that word of mouth thing that you just very briefly mentioned at the end of what you were saying there in a way is worth more to us than 
five pounds a month or ten pounds a month word word of mouth really is key so if you if you do find yourself really wanting to support the show in some way um but can't afford to or ever um please just tell your mates about it who you think might be interested in it like that mm. would be super fucking helpful put a review yeah. on apple music yada yada like there is shit tons of stuff that people can do if they do want to help us out which don't involve financial stuff at all um, and and that does count as supporting the things you love as well a hundred percent it does yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah and 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 yeah. you can you can do that you know and yeah that will mean as much to us if if not more in a weird way so um yeah don't yeah because like... i i i do think you know if 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 we had a a, a spot if you know if we had a sponsor then <laughs> we wouldn't stop doing the patreon page obviously because no. there's some really good shit on there but um it would mean that we would be able to dedicate a lot more time to doing stuff, I guess, and maybe not have to, because like personally, I, I, I've actually quite enjoyed being able to dedicate, you know, the long hours of research that it took to do, you know, say that Manic Street Preachers special where I basically spent a week just listening and watching and reading about the Manic Street Preachers. And I think that kind of shows in the, the, um, I think if you compare that with like the Marilyn Manson special where I was at work yeah. at the time and I was like, oh, it came out in 1996 and it's great. Oh, isn't it good? And that was it. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not that I'm saying it's not good, but like it was, it was, it was good, but it wasn't as like, oh, look, I found an interview with Richie the day after Philip Hall died because I've trawled through 10 yeah. pages of interviews yeah. and gone through the internet and stuff. And I guess that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. But anyway, um, I, d- I don't think I don't think it's revealing too much to say that both of us have looked back at the first classic albums we did. Mine was Use Your Illusion, yours was Antichrist Superstar. I think both of us think that those are the two worst ones that we have done individually. Yeah, that sort of thing. Probably, but that's yeah. that's just due, due to time, due to it being the first ones we did. Yada yada yada. But you know, um, hopefully, people have seen a fairly vast improvement in them since then. I have. Anyway, yeah. um, let's do some reviews. <laughs> uh, let's start. This actually came out last week, our first review, but it's a big one. So we thought we'd put it right at the top. Women in Music Part 3, the third album from the Californian trio Haim, who have gone on to become one of the most successful indie pop bands of the last decade, I would say. Um, their debut album, Days Are Gone, is a brilliant, brilliant record. Um, I, I got a lot of love for Haim, I have to say, Renfrey. Um, how about you? What do you I think of Haim? Have I know of Haim, and I know that they kind of um, took over sort of six music type playlists and so on and so forth for a short time, particularly around the time of uh, Days Are Gone. Um, I have to admit, I totally missed the second record, um, and but I've never like properly listened to Haim until now. Uh, I mm. knew they were kind of guitar pop trio um and broadly yes they are um so but this is my first time listening to Haim, so i don't really know loads about them although you know i don't live under a rock so obviously i've heard of them um i mean i th- i feel like we should go over to you first uh the one thing i wanted to ask you is i was looking at the scores for the three albums on metacritic and Women in Music Part 3 is the best reviewed of their albums. It is, isn't it? It's been absolutely wonderfully reviewed. A kind it of has, plethora yeah. of five stars from The Telegraph, The Guardian, The Independent, The NME, um, 8 out of 10 in Clash. It's got a Metacritic score overall of 89 out of 100. So, you know, it is a... 
and it's another big album that has been reviewed as such. It's yeah, the same as Bob Dylan, the same as Fiona Apple. It's gone up. Probably not quite I, as high as that. It's gone up. Not not quite as high, but it's not it's not miles off. Um, it's either gone up or it's gone down since one of us has done our notes. Um, it's at eighty eight now, but yeah, eighty eight. Oh, so uh, drop of one percent. Yeah, it's still very good. Um, yeah. It's the thirteenth best album of twenty twenty. Um, mm. in in terms of the Metacritic ratings, so right. uh, we we discussed this a little bit last week because we did Rough and Rowdy Ways by Bob Dylan, which is currently at number two. Um, but yes, um, Fiona Apple been... still number one. Yes, I thought it might be. Um, yeah, uh, so you know, very. I mean, I suppose not slatheringly well received across the broad board in the same way as dylan or fiona apple but certainly like yeah very 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 well received that's indeed. a really well received record like that, oh, that is sure. that is a really well received record undoubtedly mm. i guess my mm-hmm. question was going to be i mean apologies if we're um spunking this a bit early but do you agree with that assessment i mean uh something to tell you the second album has a score of 69 days are gone the debut which you love has a score of 79 um is that accurate does those do those scores reflect the quality of those records in your opinion or not i do like the first album the out of the first two the most definitely i definitely do like it the oh. most um certainly and then we which which brings us to this third album women in music part three which uh is good ah interesting okay i'm not sure that it's it's uh, this is a really good pop album, I think. Yeah, I think I think. I think this well. is a really good pop album. I'm not sure that in terms of what they're doing, I would rate it much higher than that. The kind of twelfth, thirteenth, whatever it was, best album of the year, that kind 13th. of stuff. That thirteenth, yeah, it feels fairly kind of. Um, I mean, look, you know, there's not many people in the world i don't think at present who play such um just unapologetically nice happy pop music um happy sounding pop music as haim um with you know very little in the way of um self-consciousness or cares for appearing anything other than just like nice pop music do you know what i mean there's not any real attempt on this record at all to be cutting edge or um uh, like massively experimental or forward thinking it is what it is it is a modern sort of indie pop record with some really great melodies and some really nice songs which takes a couple of the tropes of, of sort of modern pop music but i think overall does them quite well and it it feels a bit like a sort of throwback to uh you know about 12 13 years ago when there was a lot of sort of um you know the the sort of uprising of really great female pop stars your lady gargas and katie perry's and um I guess Rihanna was already a thing by then, but you know, like Rihanna really becoming a, a massive star. Although this obviously doesn't sound anything like Rihanna at all. But I feel I like def- it throws. I feel like it throws back even further than that. I mean, the yeah, things probably. that I I get from this are are um, early to mid nineties um, woman fronted. God. <laughs> 
there, there's me trying to avoid saying female fronted and i just said woman fronted um uh guitar rock done by women you know cheryl mm. crow alanis morissette liz fair etc etc that's that's yeah, what I it reminded a, me of yeah it, i mean i think there's a really good mix but i mean i think actually you're like something like the first Katy perry album um maybe not lady gaga so much maybe that's a bit of a kind of that's a bit of a curveball and certainly rihanna feels like a big old curveball in comparison to those things so that's not i'm just talking about the time i think really but yeah certainly like the kelly clarkson's and avril lavigne's and before they went to bubblegummy yes. the first katie perry album obviously is pretty bubblegummy and very ott um this is this has got the kind of the mixture of of just writing really good songs but also being quite minimalist in the way that modern music is, but also being constructed in the way that, like you say, Michelle Branch or Cheryl Crow or Liz Fair or those things. So it's actually, it's quite a cool little magpie of various different things that were or are very zeitgeisty all at once. Now, that might sound a little bit like a damning with faint praise or a, a kind of backhanded compliment. It's absolutely not meant to be, because I think that's probably a very clever way of doing something. Taking the music that you grew up listening to, taking the music which sold a lot of records, and taking something which is very popular now, and kind of melding it all together, has created, I think, just a very, very nice pop record. Hmm. I think for the most part, I agree. Um, I I like quite a lot of this Um I don't love all of it. Some of it, some of it, I find a little bit um, maybe ugh, modern R and B esque. Uh, Something like three AM. Yeah, in places. See, I love that. I love okay, that. Fair. Yeah. I do think um, it. I think it has too many of those elements for me to be ever able to ever put my hand on heart and say I love this personally. Mm. Um, but. I do think even those songs that I'm not as au fait with personally are approached with a touch of class and um, they're clearly done by people who know what they're doing way more than, say, I don't know, fucking Cisco or something like that. Um, God, that's Cisco! <laughs> I don't fucking know. Um, Lulu? Um. <laughs> um, you know, you can hear that there's a lot more uh craft <laughs> sorry <laughs> i don't fucking know Cisco. oh god just you know, it's bloody uh, sister rosetta tharp basically isn't it? <laughs> it's all the kids are listening to <laughs> i don't know i don't listen to modern r&b i don't know i know you don't i know um however there's shit loads of uh i guess more of those singer songwritery type songs that uh i think are fucking great um i really mm. like uh gasoline um i think it's yeah. great storytelling in a classic americana tradition um it does that it's a road story that americans do better than anyone else let's face it because they have shit loads of roads <laughs> that's primarily the reason um it has a pervading sense of catchiness despite being quite melancholy um I fucking love it. I really like continuing that melancholy theme. I think my favourite song is probably F-U-B-T. 
uh, which the is the last song. Well, the last, the last song on the non-bonus track edition. I mean, everyone seems to have got the bonus track edition, which has a, <laughs> yeah. three additional tracks on it. I, I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute. That's, we'll talk about that's, that in a minute. That's a, that's a problem for me, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I think that song's kind of Alanis Morissette meets KD Lang, maybe. Mm. Um, I really like it. Um, in fact, listening to this record has made me want to start a playlist. And I may well do this, but a playlist of songs on albums that I'm never going to go back to in full because I'm realistically, I'm probably not going to go back to this record in full because I think it's a little bit too, um, it's not all over the place in the sense that Ammo by Bring Me the Horizon is all over the place, but I do think the quality is a little bit roller coaster esque maybe. Uh, is that yeah, I mean, No, I think, I, I mean, I, I think what this, the, what this, why this record I think is, is good and why, um i mean we we review petals for a more by Haley williams which i think is a much better record than this so do i um but i don't know there's something kind of unpretentious and straightforward and just simplistic about this record about haim in general which i think is actually really lovely and it kind of there's not many bands there's not many acts particularly in pop at the moment who are happy to just be sort of i guess sort of simple and carefree and unpretentious about the music they make and i kind of i find that to be and i find that's what i kind of enjoy about this record having said that it's refreshing um, it's refreshing but it's also i mean particularly when you put the bonus tracks on you then do go ah this is why pop music has become more interesting over the years because you can kind of handle a whole album by someone like Haley williams who keeps your interest to the end of that record and haim don't really particularly when you get to the bonus tracks at that point i'm like i'm actually like you, you said fubt i'm done by then yeah I'm definitely i'm definitely done by then agreed. um i'm not sure if we need to talk review the bonus tracks or if we need to include the bonus tracks because they're bonus tracks but like you say everybody's got them everybody's got the, the well in the, in various the pop, bonus tracks in the pop world absolutely everybody's got them because mm. it the, if you've got because major records generally want to get as much out of their artists as they possibly can and if you put out an album which has 16 songs on it rather than 13 you're gonna get more traction and more plays and so on and so forth more streams Um, more streams Um, and this is something which i'm not a big fan of in the pop world because i think it affects the quality of an album as a piece of work um Yes, if you're, I think this album's probably too long without the bonus tracks. Not by much without the bonus tracks, but I think this album's maybe five minutes too long without the bonus tracks. With the bonus tracks, it's like, oh, come on, guys. Um, But that's the way pop music works, isn't it? It is. Which is sort of part of the reason why I've never become a massive, massive pop aficionado, because I like albums. Um, There's a meme going around, which is like, um, what album would you listen to where you never skip a track? And I'm like, well, fucking all of them. I don't skip tracks. You know, I, I'm just that person. That's just who yeah. I am. Um, which is why I think sometimes pop doesn't really work for me because pop isn't really a genre that celebrates the the album. I don't think. I think so. Yeah, I think um, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I think that's quite a new thing as well. Unfortunately, that's a fairly mm. I think that probably started happening in the mid oh, to the late nineties, really. Well, I, I think yeah, the streaming uh, age is primarily maybe. I mean, I, I think there are a, a few examples of 
really great pop albums like justified by justin timberlake the quality of that is good throughout although the first half of it is just it's like the fucking slipknot debut album the, the first six songs mm. or whatever are incredible and then it just sort of drops off doesn't drop off a cliff but yeah and actually that's yeah around the sort of that kind of neptunes era there were some really really good albums being put out but i think we've not uh, there's not been many records particularly in pop i think that are consistent kind of one to ten or one to twelve where you go i'm not i don't i wouldn't want to skip any of that so yeah but that just just to um emphasize your point even thriller has the girl is mine on it so which is a wicked song is it (laughs) (laughs) funny though isn't it it's kind of funny it's oh it's also got pyt on it which is which is brilliant uh, am I think I'm probably thinking of the wrong song. Never mind. Never mind. Pyt is fucking great. Yeah, I think I'm mixing don't it up you with something dare, else. Don't you dare try and insinuate that it isn't. Um, I think I'm mixing it up with something else. <laughs> Let's move on. Jesus. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, like this. This is a. I think that, like I say, up to three a.m. I was like, man, this is really good. It's just really unpretentious. It's like you know, like I say, it's really unpretentious. It's fairly simple. It borrows from a lot of sort of modern hooks and stuff and modern production techniques. But it feels it's got that kind of when you mention stuff like Cheryl Crow, like I can definitely. It's got that kind of warm feeling to it. It feels like an analog band playing in a digital age. That was what yeah. I liked about it. Yeah, Do you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? I thought yeah. that was cool. It felt like a kind of analog Lilith Fair act who had been kind of digitized for the modern era. And I, I just don't just don't hear that type of music that much anymore. And I was a big fan of like Alanis Morissette and um, well, really just Alanis Morissette, but certainly the singles <laughs> of a lot of those artists. Um, you know, if it I, makes uh, you does make, yeah yeah exactly it's one like of cheryl the crow's, best fucking songs of the 90s as far as I'm yeah cheryl crow's got some really great fucking yeah. songs and um and every time you put on some sort of 90s playlist it will be full of those you know Brilliant what if songs. god was one of us and you go like, yeah yeah like yeah, and those songs are great and um and this is a bit like that i think it's a good re- it's a good record it's like you know i'm not going to go mad for it at all it reminds me of how good pop can be is what I like about this album without being the best example of pop music that I can think of. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Totally. Mm. I, I, I like this record. I think it's good. There are bits that I don't like as much, but even the bits that I don't like as much, I think are done with a quality and a class that is a cut above most of their contemporaries. So fair fucking yeah, play. Nothing on this feels gimmicky as well. No. Do you know what I mean? Like There's nothing kind of gimmicky or silly about it at any point. And, you know, I think there's a tendency for pop music to be sort of super pretentious and really serious at the moment or be really gimmicky. And this is neither of those things. So yeah, it's really good. Um, Although they still managed to cover some quote unquote important themes. Yeah. No, when I said it's unpretentious and sort of like, you know, it's, it's a serious record as well. Mm -mm. Yeah. Man in the magazine is about an incident where Steve interviewed the band. Um, <laughs> I just <Ha>! uh, <laughs> about a um, absolute dickhead uh, uh, interviewing the band, and at one point asking a question along the lines, I believe, from the song. This is from the song, and nothing else of like the noise. The sorry, the uh, face you make when you're playing guitar is that the same face you make in bed, for example, which is a yeah. 
Fantastic question. I think we'll both agree. Um, that was sarcasm. Fantastic if you're trying to get punched in the face, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is obviously something that, I mean, you wouldn't ask. That guy deserves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I don't think you'd ask Santana that, would you? No. I don't know why you picked Santana. But, I, um... I just needed a, a, a male <laughs> guitar god type person and he was the first that came to mind. <laughs> I was listening to Santana the other day, so that's probably why. <laughs> right, but yeah. Right, fair enough. Um, anyway, yeah, this is a good record. I mean, I feel like it's kind of one of those hard ones to review, really, because they just go, yeah, nice, nice, nice album. Nice. I, I, I sort Simple, of agree. Nice. It is, fun, it, is, good. it is sort of bonkers that it's... Uh done quite as well as it has uh not that i want you know I, i'm quite happy for music like this to do well so i don't want yeah, to shit on it too. too much um i think just like bob dylan last week though bob dylan isn't the second best album of the year and this isn't the 13th best album of the year either it is no. pretty good though yeah there you go so Haim, women in music part three is out it's been out for a week you might have already heard it let's move on to something which comes out today motherfucker um i don't know why i did that in Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction's voice. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> anyway, A.A. Williams, Forever Blue, the debut album from the hotly tipped British singer-songwriter. Uh, Renfrey has seen every single one of her shows and it's actually getting a little bit awkward at this point. So <laughs> Renfrey... <laughs> so Renfrey... Um, I'm going to leave this to you to start uh, since I'm sure you've been chomping at the bit to talk about the debut album from A.A. Williams. It's here. Are you happy? Oh, God. I'm fucking ecstatic. Um, I mean, look, we... we I, I, I'd rarely like to do this sort of thing, but fuck it, it's show 100, so why the fuck not? Um, I'm pretty sure we're the first people ever to cover A.A. Williams. And I heard this EP um, yeah. and, you know, fucking 18 months ago, what it was, whatever it was, uh, Justine from Employed to Serve sent it to me and said, you'll really like this. So she sent it to me quite mm. early. She was absolutely right. Um, I fucking adored it. And um, I was very, very adamant that we jumped straight on it as soon as uh, it was out and all that kind of thing. And yeah, I do feel like we've been, well, me particularly, but I think you've joined in on, on this have well i've not i've not seen her live which is the difference mm. so okay. i've reviewed the ep that we reviewed which i thought was really good and yep. then i've not actually had a chance to see it live so you know that's the difference between the two of us really i think i mean i've only seen her live like nine times in the last year it's not you know i mean you you, you make it out, you make out like it's some sort of weird you like you like robin williams in one hour photo <laughs> is what you're <laughs> Travis, the Travis Bickle of fucking female <laughs> singer-songwriter. <laughs> she's played a lot and she's played with a lot of great oh, bands, no. all right? Mm. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, my Metal Hammer review has been out um, about this for about a week. Um, so a lot of people are already going to know what I think of this record. I gave it nine out of ten in did. Um, Metal Hammer. I'm very Just pleased. read that yesterday. Ah, excellent. I'm very pleased to say that Metal Hammer decided to keep my score for this one. Um, and um, I just think this record does everything that a debut album should and needs to do after the release of a debut EP that has been held so well. And that's effectively take the stuff that happens on the EP and just expand on it. That's all you really need to do. Um, 
I guess it's the sort of usual cliches of the heavier bits feel heavier, the quieter bits feel quieter. Yada, Definitely, yada, yada. very, very much so. And mm-hmm. the heavier bits feel significantly heavier as well. Mm. I mean, mm. you've got, I think one of the things you pointed out quite uh, astutely in your review is that when uh, Johannes from Cult of Luna turns up, that is not something that, that is the traditional heavy, heavy, heavy moment. Um, heavy in the traditional sense uh, in in this record and it's such a shock I mean if people if people want to you know do the 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 old thing about like oh it's if it's you know if it's not heavy all the way you know that's not heavy that's not heavy it's like no 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 the the way to be to truly feel like something is heavy is not to start on 11 and just continue one paced like so many heavy quote-unquote artists do all the time it is to suck you in and then hit you so fucking like that sounds monstrous when his voice comes in and it really it goes this massive sort of doomy part because so much of the record has been slight and subtle restrained and subtle Mm. and quiet it just feels like the earth's core being cracked open it's Absolutely. fucking brilliant and this is a really really for your first album i mean i know we went pretty mad on the the ep i mean i think this makes the ep sound bang average this record <sighs> yeah <laughs> i mean it's, it's it, it it does it it like now i mean i just go like well i'm probably never going to listen to that ep ever again because this is to get that right, to, to get those dynamics right, this right on your first album, it's well impressive. It's, it's astonishing. Um, that moment where Johannes Persson comes in on... Oh, for fuck's sake, I can't even remember the bloody song now. Uh, Isn't it Love and Pain? Yes, I think you might or be glim- right. Or Glimp... Oh, yeah. The song he comes right. The song he comes in on. Um, I mean, sonically, of course, that's the heaviest moment on the record. But of course forever blue is actually a um exploration of all sorts of sides of heavy and we've Mm. discussed in the past how heaviness is not just to do with sonics the heaviest song on this record by a million miles is i'm fine um fact but um a lot of people won't sort of think that because it's actually probably sonically the softest song on the record but in terms Mm. of like the emotional weight to it i mean it's just this a song like a song like i'm fine finds melancholy beauty in the fact that the author is clearly anything but fine Mm. you know that's heavy it's fearless by the way when johannes comes in i think the reason why i didn't get that straight away is because it feels like a long time before he comes in because so much sort of happens in the first three songs that's actually only track four and i'm pretty amazed that i mean i've been i've mostly been listening to this record just with it on in the background um without sort of sitting down and going oh that's that track and that's that track and that's that track so i was like oh well that's the bit and so i sort of guessed that it was the latter part of the record i mean that's mad that it feels like so much happens before he comes in and it's actually only three songs yep i think i think sorry i was gonna say and you're right about the the way that the album almost kind of 
I was going to say fizzles out feels like it's an insult, but I don't mean it as an insult. I mean, it kind of, it just sort of slumps to the ground, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's like really heavy. It's really emotionally, like I can't stand up from the level of like, I mean, the fact that it's called I'm fine and like you say, and it sounds anything, but this is proper like, yeah, like, like emotionally crushing music. It's the most ironic title of the year, probably. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. But there's other, like, there's a few guest spots on it, actually. There's a really, um, I mean, I talked about this in the Metal Hammer review, but um, ex-World Beast Spaces Tom Fleming comes in on Dirt and has this really beautiful, deep, baritone type croon. And it makes for a really beautiful duet with um, Alex and what she's doing, you know. And every... I mean, I don't think I would change a single... I think I said this at the EP. I don't think I'd change a single note on it. And I think I feel the same way about this. But it's triply impressive because this album is triple the length of the EP. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I, and I, I really... I wouldn't change a fucking note. Not one. There is one bit where I'm like... There's these big violins that come in on like track six or something like that. And my one fucking minor, tiny, teeny, tiny, like, note is live. That sounds so much bigger, that change. But mm. even that, that is like, that's the anal note of of some A.A. Williams obsessive, as you like to paint me out as. But, you know, I realise that that is a stupid... you fucking... like to paint yourself out as that as well, <laughs> to be fair. Um, I think she's very, very, very good. Um, mm. You know, I, I, I mean... I did say in that Metal Hammer review as well that like the chances it seems like the quote that's been taken and pasted everywhere, which is fair enough because that was sort of the intention. Um, I said we're only halfway through 2020, but the chances of a more heart-rending and fully formed debut emerging this year are practically zero. Mm. I mean, I, I wanted to say zero, <laughs> but I, it's a bit too cocksure. Um, but I, I mean, can you see a more fully developed debut coming out this year it, it's unlikely it's hard it? to imagine i'm trying to think of what debut albums we've had this year not really no we've got another, we've it. got another brilliant one coming up in a moment but but mm-hmm. there but there are oh there's been a, there's been quite a few great debut records but in terms of just something that has just arrived this fully formed and this utterly faultlessly brilliant um it's funny you've just reminded me that the next thing we're doing is a debut album and uh spoiler alert i i actually prefer that but oh um yeah yeah but then i'm more it's very very different but it's more that's much more my sort of thing than 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 this is although here's what i would say as well renfrey about this is i we have we have bemoaned the tag death gospel Mm. a lot Mm. over this entire period that it's been a thing and i listened to this and i at no point has anyone called it death gospel i think that 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 has gone that um mm, that metal, sort of metal hammer did it when they reposted my review but that's fine okay online um <laughs> but do you know what listening to this for the first time i was like if you came to me with this album and i'd never heard the term before and went we're gonna sort of call this death gospel i would go hmm i i i can see that and it's the first time I've ever been able to go because it sounds, cl- it's got loads of elements of kind of classical in it. 
classical mm-hmm. music in it, like yep. the, the compositionally, it's incredibly somber and um but yet hugely uplifting at the same time. Um and it is phenomenally heavy. And the death is that part, the mm. sort of the you know, the the hardness and the weightiness and the heaviness of it. But then the but gospel's beautiful music. And this is a really and, and I think when you take if you were to take away all of the connotations that go with quite a lazy thing of like oh it's a you know it's a girl singing over a harp it's death and she's got tattoos so it's death gospel which appears to be all you need to have <laughs> to be part of this fucking like weird little subgenre which i'm not convinced actually exists mm. if that hadn't been penned until today with this a.a williams record i think i'd go you know if somebody said that th- this is, sounds like death gospel I think that was actually quite a good, um, quite a good terminology for it for this for this record. That hasn't that hadn't occurred to me, um, but yes, I can't disagree with you there. Obviously, I think the thing that a lot of um, the people it's got it, connotations now. Yeah, obviously. yeah, 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 yeah. But I do, but I do understand what you're saying actually, and um, yeah, broadly, I think you're right. Um, uh but yeah as you say it's just got connotations now um it's yeah but it's this is the first time where i'm where, where i've listened to one of these records and gone okay so there's not really much in the way of folk in this because a lot of those albums it tends to be about sort of folky stuff whereas i think this it feels it's got much it's far more linked with kind of quarrel um quarrel is that uh, the word choral. choral choral classical music genuinely really heavy shit as well like proper super fucking weighty emotionally heavy stuff which i'm not saying chelsea wolf or you know sharon von etten doesn't have that but what i don't think they what i think they they don't really have so much is the um is that you know i think there there's some really heavy chelsea wolf releases for example but i think that always felt to me like far more rooted in either electronic music doom or folk uh whereas this I think is it it make I actually go yeah you know if you'd come up with that death gospel thing specifically for this record I'd go yeah it's quite a good way to describe it and yeah. it's the first it's pretty much the first time I've felt like that I mean yeah. Louise Lemon hasn't doesn't no. sound like this at all no, no. Louise Lemon's a, a pop artist she's just a very melancholy one who I happen to like but yeah she's pop through and through yeah um, it's got nothing to do with either of those with death or gospel and I think yeah, there's an argument to be had that this has the sort of you know the weightiness and the kind of angelic um, feel to it that makes it both of those things quite accurately mm, mm. I think it's interesting that you say that especially as um we have had from time to time the odd metal fan sort of not really fully understand the connection between A.A. A. Williams and metal, really. Uh, for example, why is A.A. A. Williams... And, and we've had it on this show as well, people being like, how can you compare the two and yada, yada, yada. I mean, I'm sort of at the point now where I'm like, if you can't see the connection, I'm not sure if you're capable of listening to music properly, really. Um, the, the connection on this is 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 so obvious. Though, it's isn't it? startlingly obvious. I mean, maybe on the EP obvious. you could have had that conversation, but you can't now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's certainly blindingly obvious here 
um, that, you know, someone like A.A. Williams absolutely belongs in the likes of Metal Hammer and Kerrang! and all that sort of thing. And But the brilliant thing is that she's also getting amazing notices from Mojo and Q and, like, you know, it's that thing... Oh, fuck it. Spoiler alert. We were talking about how Rated R united the tribes and why how it's a phenomenal record. It's something that you're, you've not heard yet, but you will hear it soon. It united the tribes. Hey, Williams does the same thing. You know, in a, in a totally different yeah. manner, but in a mm-hmm. totally different manner. But like, you know, Mojo, Q, uh, Metal Hammer. I mean, if Terrorizer was still around, I wonder if Terrorizer would have said something on this probably i think you they know. would yeah i think they would uh, definitely on this record definitely yeah. yeah i mean it's like i say it's not even that you there is no argument to be had there is no argument to be had this no, has got isn't. something to do with metal it clearly has there's metal on the fucking record like actual metal we're not even talking like this kind of like obtuse floaty idea that you know all artists who like metal or who are from the scene or are culturally relevant are somehow relevant through the way that the people they hang around with or the label they're on or blah 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 and there's a you know there's arguments we had for certain artists i'm not even talking about that i'm talking about this is fucking heavy this is heavy in a metal way yeah yeah absolutely and i think i mean that should be pretty obvious to people by now and if it isn't yeah. then i don't know i don't yeah. think you have much hope but um uh oh god um (laughs) (laughs) anyway let's move on but it's really good it's really really fucking good this record and i i mean i you know i thought the ep was great but this surprised me at how much better this is did it oh interesting okay Mm. i i mean i've I've, i haven't seen her live with the all the other stuff it was a weird it was a weird one for me because when i received this album i felt like i basically more or less knew most of it already because i've seen her live so much so this this wasn't a surprise to me at all um it's not a surprise to me that it's as good as it is it's not a surprise to me that it to my for my money probably is and will remain the best debut of the year although there is a very close contender coming up um and it's no surprise and it probably won't be a massive surprise to hear that it will feature very prominently in my albums of the year come the end of the year um Mm uh do you do you think it will slot into yours or is it too early to tell it's too early to tell um but but maybe probably i think it'll you know come the end of the year well it will definitely be one that i'm listening to and going yeah this might get in definitely i mean i've got to say for for when we did our first albums of the year back in 2018 emma ruth rundles um on wild horses uh, which is a which is about eighth on mine, I think. It was very, it was very quite high on yours, on Dark yeah. Horses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Dark Horses, sorry, yeah. Um, and um, I think this might be, I think this is a more varied record than that. I will say that. Yep. Oh, God. So there we go. Don't pit Alex against Emma. That's going to break my No, mind. no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not. I'm just saying. <laughs> but but yeah, for, yeah, that, for that one <laughs> facet alone... And this is yeah. a debut record. Mm. Emma Ruth Rundle had like three albums out by that point. Yes, that was her third solo record. Yeah. yeah. Plus a load of other stuff. So, you know, I, I'm basically what I'm saying is, is you know, there's <laughs> even if it doesn't, <laughs> something with hers will one day. One day. Fair. Yeah. 
Forever Blue by A. Williams is out now. That is a great debut album. So is this. Royal Swan by Foxjaw, the debut album from the Bristolian band that, again, we have featured a fair few times on this show. We've reviewed both of their EPs or just one of their EPs? I think we just, I think you reviewed both for Metal Hammer, but we just reviewed A Playground for Sad Adults. That's true. Yeah, I still um, don't we've like also, as a title. Because um, <laughs> you are a sad adult. Uh, <laughs> I like Royal Swan as a title, though. That's great. Yeah, me too. Oh, that is a good. That is a good one. Um, so I've reviewed this in Metal Hammer. Funnily enough, talking about going back to our various Metal Hammer reviews of the month. I'm just getting my little Read review that. up. Um, what did you think of my review, Renfrey? I thought it was lovely. Thank you. I, I, got, I appreciate that. Let me get it. I'm going to get it. Hold on. No, I've got it. I've got it here. Don't worry. I've got it. Not that we need to be just like, this isn't the Reed Metal Hammer podcast. <laughs> I think you'll find it. Although it's turning into it a bit, isn't it? Um, uh, I made a comparison to, just to sort of start off in this review, um, which I think is worth talking about, is that Bristol at the moment, as a music scene, is probably as exciting now as it was, although for completely different reasons, in its kind of tricky and massive attack era heyday. I have a like theory. Feels... Go I have on. a theory as to why that is. Because I'm from there. It's not the best theory, I've got to be <laughs> honest. Um... Just wanted to posit it and see what you thought. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Sugar Horse started because they were like, what we really want is to just be a really good band because of Renfrey Deadman lived here. <laughs> I, 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 I think you're dismissing it far too early, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, probably. I know. Madness, isn't it? Um, uh, I mean, it's definitely, there's no music scene around here and I'm from here. We've only got Carl Barat from the Libertines and Steg and <laughs> Steggle. Um, <laughs> that's it. So Foxjaw, um, uh, well, we did review them live as well. I was really impressed when I saw them live supporting yes. uh, uh, Pagan. They support. Pagan, that's it. Pagan at the upstairs at the old Blue Laugh. Right. And I thought they were great. And they sort of reminded me of, I think I said Soundgarden meets at the, like, didn't we tell that Soundgarden meets at the driving or Soundgarden meets the Mars Volta or something like that? And yeah, I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is I'd go good. with that. Yeah, I'd go mm. with that. Um, you've also yeah. thrown in... Um, Queens of the Stone Age um, in your for fans of in the Metal Hammer review, which I think is a key one, certainly on this record. Yep, definitely. Um, and Deftones, Death well which one. I think is fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that should give you some sort of idea as to where we're going with this debut Fox Your record. Um, what well, it, I will... do- it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it because doesn't, this it is, doesn't. Th- they are very much a rock band, aren't they, Fox Your? And I think this is what I... This is what I really, really love about this record is that they are a really weird sort of idiosyncratic, unique sounding rock band from a the sort of an era when just being a rock band and go, what type of music are you? We are a rock band. Yeah, that is it. The Cooper yeah. Temple Claws are yes. a rock band. Yes. You know, um, Cooper Temple Claws is a great shout actually for this band. Yeah. In terms of My their vitri- experimentalism and their creativity, mm. I think it's a great shout. But, but they're just a rock band. My yeah. Vitriol are a rock band. Rock band, yeah. Um, you know, there are there are a bunch of bands who were just like, well, you're you're just a rock band. Failure are just a rock band. They're just mm. a rock band. Mm. But what a fucking great fucking rock band. Great one. And what yeah. and and what a great, you know, um unique sounding, really personal sounding band 
those three and music those three men make and fox jaw so often now when you get rock band thrown in your face as to what a band are you either get this boring fucking classic rock planet rock radio alter bridge or you know leather trouser twats like the fucking temperance movement or some mm-hmm. boring boring led zep ripoff shite mm-hmm. that is just like a crap like you know like bloody what they called um greta van fleet all that fucking shite mm-hmm. or you get some band who are desperate to break into the to the pop charts so they take they go we're a rock band because we're wearing guns and roses t-shirts and we've got fringes um but we basically but yeah, but we basically play pop music. Um, oh, okay, maybe not so much. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah. no, no, not yeah, Tazzle. Yeah. I meant more like <clears throat> Def Havana or mm-hmm. not even Def. Mm-hmm. Def Havana. I mean, they're hardly a rock band, but you know, that radio, that the kind of bands like when Lone Atlantis and Yumi at Six and stuff were getting on Radio One, the type mm-hmm. of thing that that oh we're a rock band. It's like well, you are in a way, I guess, because you're playing guitars, and I don't want to be sort of super snobby about it. But what real connection do you have to? rock music as opposed to your connection to pop music just that you used to like 100 reasons that's not real or well, you used to like blink 182 foxjaw are a rock band in the sense that they sound like all of the most interesting bands from the last 30 years of alternative guitar music well one <coughs> fucking now he's dying can't believe that i've said it Sorry, I just choked on my own. It's the most shocking thing that's been said on this episode. <laughs> Fox Door re- are a rock band. <laughs> I'm going to restart that sentence. My goodness, I do apologise about that. Um, well, one of my favourite things about this record, and I have a multitude of favourite things about this record, because just to make it super fucking clear, this album's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's um, sometimes it sounds like the verse is an enemy verse then the chorus is a kerrang chorus and then the bridge is a mojo bridge you know um again just like the aa williams thing the queens of the stone age thing i don't think foxjaw have done this yet but i think in a sense i mean i don't know if it's sort of a modus operandi of theirs but i think they're in a sense trying to unite the tribes and just go we're just gonna take the best stuff from all of it and put it into a big mixing bowl and as a result, we're going to come out with a sound which is very uniquely us. Mm. I've wanged on a lot about band's sense of identity. Fox, one of the most impressive things of this record is Foxjaw have a really strong sense of identity right out of the bat, I think. They do borrow from bands like Queens of the Stone Age, Deftones, Biffy Clyro, the Blood Brothers. Mm-hmm. Oh, Biffy hear, Clyro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear a lot of the Blood Brothers in this. Um, I wrote down Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> That's one of the influences. <laughs> Whether that is yeah. or not, I don't know. But there's bits which sound like fucking circ- like deranged circus stuff on this, which they're really fucking good at, actually. That sort of um, balancing on the line between wackiness but not becoming annoying. Uh, I think they're fucking brilliant at that. Um, System of a Down, I think, is a um, shout as well. But they conglomerate all of those ideas into a pretty unique sound. And... You know, some bands aren't capable of ever doing that, let alone doing it on their first record. It's actually pretty astonishing. Um, and it's relatively rare as well. Um, go on. 
it's what well, I was going to say. I think it's very rare. I mean, in 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 today's, you know, like I mean, we've spoken about how difficult it is to find that sense of identity when you know the kind of the idea that like oh everything's been done, you know, everything in rock music has been done and blah blah blah. And you know, there isn't anything really that is kind of uh, I don't know inherently unique about Foxjaw in t- in terms of the their makeup um, the, the yeah the kind of genetic makeup of, of what they do there's nothing kind of that you could point out and go oh my god like no one's ever attempted to write a song like this or no one's ever attempted to um to kind of play a riff in in that way or whatever like you know we've kind of come up with i think enough Soundgarden, queens of stone age biffy clyro those sort of things there's nothing that you're going to hear on this album that you probably can't link back to something like that mm-hmm. but at the same time i don't really necessarily think that fox jaw sound at any point like any of those bands or just sound like one of those bands Agreed. there's no point where i go fucking hell they've absolutely nicked that off Soundgarden. Agreed. oh fucking hell they've ab- absolutely nicked that riff off caius or aren't they just trying to be sort of puzzle era biffy at this point like there's no point on this record where i feel like that what i do often feel like is like what a wild collection of sounds that is going on and i have to listen i have to strain to listen to pick out what each individual strand of that is and that's fucking cool man that's such a cool thing to be able to do and it's really rewarding as a listener to be able to get an album that has that just is so alive with a love of like every type of guitar music yeah yes, and, yes and, totally. and and pays pays like such fucking brilliant creative homage to so many bands um which which in in and of itself makes it a very unique record to listen to yeah. super catchy kind of kind of instant very disorientating quite surprising it's fucking great this record that's the key thing, actually. You said there that it's instant. And yes, it is. But then it also doesn't feel like it. it's going to have revealed everything to you uh, in its first five listens or ten. Um, mm. It does feel like a record that you'd have to listen to quite a bit before you've got everything that you wanted from it. Um, I mean, to go into individual tracks, I don't think there's a single bad one on the record, to be honest. But ones that I particularly like, I think it starts really strongly after the sort of intro yeah. part. Trophies in the Attic is just fucking brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Spends a minute sounding like it could quite comfortably fit in with the enemy br- brigade before a massive chorus comes in, which is so fucking heavy and absolutely obliterates everything that's come before it. I mean, that's very early Biffy Clyro to me in terms of the experimentation and the way that they put songs together and unexpected bits just suddenly uh, coming coming forth from the speakers. There's an amazing bit where everyone sort of cuts out. And I think I think it's Danny. I'm assuming it's Danny doing vocals on that, although that's something else I want to talk about. Um, Danny just goes, there'll be trophies in the attic. And then the whole band just come in again. It's like, it's fucking huge. It's massive. Mm. It's unexpected. And it still sounds as powerful now on my, I don't know, dozenth listen, because I fucking love this record. I mean, I'm with you. This is a fucking excellent record. Um, 
it sounds just as impressive on the dozenth listen as it does on the first. It's mm. it's really fucking amazing. Um, the drivey sludgy riff that ushers in Don't Drink a Unicorn's Blood. I mean, again, listen to those fucking song titles. That's a creative yeah. band. An owl is a cat with wings. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah. true as well. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, I even, but actually, I think the song titles are an interesting thing. When you get, you know, I know I wang on about how shit metalcore is, but like when you get metalcore bands that are calling their albums fucking, you know, the day of discovery or whatever, or, or absolution pessimism. It's just like, they all sound the fucking same. There's no creativity in it whatsoever. And I love the fact that Foxjaw don't have, you know, they, they are gen- they're four genuinely really creative, really genuine, nice blokes as well. Not that, that should have a, um, <laughs> effect on whether you, you listen to this record or not, but they, they no. are actually fucking excellent, lovely people as well. Mm. Um, but they're really fucking creative and they, they have a lot of ideas. I love this sort of adron- uh, uh, androgynous, 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 goth, androgynous. Thank you. Mm. Gothy thing that they have going on. I was um, about to talk about vocal swapping and stuff like that. There is a song called Bats for Bleeding where uh, their guitarist, one of their guitarists, Alex, takes lead vocals on it. Uh, and he has this eminently kind of sex or death appeal that Joshi Homi has. You know, you can have sex or death. It's one or the other. Um, and I think Danny's vocals are fucking amazing throughout. But I, the fact that they're willing to experiment with like giving other members vocals, uh, lead parts and stuff like that. I mean, if anything, I would say I don't think it needed it for this record. But in future, I think they can explore that even further. And we could even go down more of a sort of beatles or trail of dead or system of down pick one whichever one's trail more of dead's a, a great yeah trail of dead's a great shout for sort of what they're doing i think i mean we've spoken before about how trail of dead are basically i think the most creative rock band of the millennium yes. pretty much um and one of the hardest um, to interview as well yeah <laughs> probably shouldn't uh, say that well you've, if you if you listen to everything we do you've probably already heard it um <laughs> so it's fine so you know um anyway uh but yeah stuff like i mean there's for me, the, the sort of big joy of this record was, I mean, how great it is and how kind of, how it made me go, yeah. And then going back to stuff and going, oh, fuck, that really reminds me of something which I hadn't listened to for ages, like AAA, which is such a fucking banger. Oh, but that should be, that should be on like MTV. Do you know what I mean? Back in the day, that would have been a song that would get on MTV. And it, yep. it was just like, this just is like group dog drill. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's got yeah, that yeah, like, yeah, yeah. fuck you sort of group dog drill feel to it. And I was like, it's, it's gr- this album is great. That's an it's interesting another one thing. where, sorry, I just wanted to pick up on what you said about um, I would have seen this on MTV. That hadn't occurred to me, but actually, I think there's a few massive fucking songs yeah. on this teething, uh, mm. surely yeah. teething. If it had had a bit of money behind it and a big video, surely that would have been playing on heavy rotation on MTV too. Surely. Yeah. If it was the era of like Hundred Reasons and Funeral for a Friend and all that, there was always a couple of those bands from you know that had one or two like when alkaline trio like when stupid kid by alkaline trio got on mtv and stuff and there's so many songs on this where i'm like this would have been this would have been like like this would have been a hit this would have been a thing that they were playing on the on the music channels definitely um yeah man it's a shame it's a a shame that they've you know it's it's almost like it's weird because it kind of feels like this beautiful um melting pot and homage of all the great rock things that have happened in the past however long but at the same time it's it still sounds really exciting and current 
and it's just it's just proof that this type of music doesn't need to be boring and there's not been many of these bands that have come out that have just been straight rock bands like hawkeyes are one like we've spoken mm. about hawkeyes a bunch of times and we both love hawkeyes mm. and they're a band where i go well look how great hawkeyes were doing and what were hawkeyes really doing that was particularly unique like nothing really but they just sounded different and they just sounded like hawkeyes and not really like anyone else and foxjaw have that i think it's such a difficult thing to get right and they've got it right They've pretty much got it right from day one, really. But particularly on this record, they've got it so right. So right. I cannot understand how you... If if you like guitar music, I just don't think there is any way you're not going to like this. I, I don't agree. think you won't. I can't imagine. I would love to hear... If, if you go and listen to this and you don't like it and you like any rock bands, especially alternative rock bands, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I very much doubt we'll get any tweets and people go no nah, it's rubbish because no. you just why? won't like I, why just, would you no <laughs> it's you? fucking great you know I, I just want to add i mean this is more of a general point rather than specifically to fox Shore, but it's re- well it is specifically to fox Shore. it is fucking cool what i was saying earlier about the thing that makes us particularly warm and fuzzy inside is introducing new music to people it's fucking cool that for our 100th show, and obviously this couldn't have been planned, it's just how it's happened, but it's so apt that we've got A.A. Williams and Foxjaw, which are probably side by side, almost certainly two of the best debut albums of the year. And I imagine will end up being... I, I, I imagine they will end up cons- being considered two of the best ab- debut albums of the year. Mm-hmm. By the end of the year in 2030 in 2040 i mean i they are fucking class records both of them really are absolutely brilliant and i think it's very mm. apt that we're covering them this week yep i agree so there you go that's royal royal swan by foxjaw it's out now uh, let's move on to another album that came out last week it was just dropped from nowhere surprise surprise it's the new album from hum inlet uh the fifth album from the illinois 90s alt rock heroes their first record in 22 years since 1998's downward is heaven um for those of you who know hum um i'm sure you'll be going hooray hooray because they were quite a kind of cult band at the time um but for those of you who don't they were best known for their song um stars. The, the kind of hit song stars which came out in the 90s which wasn't a massive hit over here in the same way as it was a massive hit in america but i do remember it back in 1994 um that's me showing my age there <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um this is definitely got a bit of the same vibe to me this record Renfrey, as hearing failures comeback album a couple of years totally, ago totally um although it's nowhere near as good as the heart as a monster if i have to be sort of ranking them but it certainly has that more weathered yet still great sounding alt rock thing to them um hummer an interesting band i mean they were never really that big in the uk were they I'm i mean i don't you I'll confess, know. I hardly knew anything about them. I'd sort of vaguely heard of them. I knew they were kind of like a band's band. Um, mm. I heard that Stars was their biggest song. I was like, oh, I don't think I know that. Listen to it. And I was like, oh, right, that song. You know, so, you know. Yeah. Um, they were kind of contemporaries of failure, I think, to an, to, yeah. uh, an extent. Um, I mean, for the uninitiated, myself included, Pitchfork had this to say on them. 
There's some poetry in its surprise drop, coinciding with the 20th anniversary celebration of Deftones' White Pony, this century's most influential vision for heavy melodic rock and something that wouldn't exist without hum. Do you think that's fair? Mm. 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 Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot that goes into... I think just to go without hum, there'd be no White Pony is a little bit of a stretch, personally. Um but, they basically you know. went they basically went on to say it's as good as white pony which i'm not sure if, well i don't agree with that are you talking about this one yeah or this album that this we're album. reviewing today yeah okay well that's a silly thing to say isn't it um it is fucking good though i think it's really good yeah yeah i think this is a good um i think this is a good a good record i mean i do remember hum i remember the song stars and I do remember, you know, they played bits and bobs on MTV uh, in the kind of aftermath. And they were one of those bands who were like just below maybe the sort of third rung down on the sort of alt rock uh, ladder, particularly when grunge had died. You know, um, they were a bit like something. I don't know. In terms of their profile in this country, they were kind of like, I don't know, Space Hog or something. Do you know what I mean? Like no one really paid that much attention to them, but they were, they were there. They were just there. Um, it does seem so to I be did... primarily American because because yeah. a lot of people have been going crazy about this record, mm. which is why I was like, okay, we should probably throw this in. Um, yeah. it, actually, it actually was surprise released the day we recorded last week, so there was no way mm. it was going to go in last week, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it does seem to be primarily sort of American websites and so on and so forth that are kind of going, oh my God, Hummer back. And whereas everyone else is going, who? Um, mm. But that's, but I'm actually that's really, fine. that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I certainly mm. think this inlet is a very dense sounding record. It's got many layers to unpack and savor over dozens of listens. I will say that I listened to it through once. I was actually having a little chat with uh, Andy Gillen from Palm Reader whilst I was listening to this for the first time. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think this album's all right, but maybe people are going a little bit OTT on it. I have to admit, after my fourth, fifth, sixth listen, I'm starting to understand it a little bit more. So it's definitely a grower, I think. Um, definitely a grower. Yeah. Uh, if funereal doom exists, and surely it does, I think you could describe this as funereal shoegaze, couldn't you? Yeah, 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 you could. Um, it's it's a very, very heavy version of that kind of early 90s shoegaze, maybe kind of late 80s creation records thing for me. I think... Um, Swerve Driver. They've, yeah, they've taken that and they've just put some very, very thick distortion and heavy riffs over the top of it. And that's quite a cool thing to do. Um, that's great. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, have with the little bits and bobs that i'd listened to them during the 90s i don't quite remember them being this heavy i have to say well apparently i mean i've not listened to the other records but apparently this is quite different to them which i think is another mm. indication as to that's a brave thing for a band to do to come back and not go back to your original sound necessarily there's still elements of the early sound apparently but in the main the shoegaze thing apparently is a totally new thing for hum more or less i mean that's, yeah. this is what i've read i can't i can't say this as first-hand knowledge but apparently it's totally different um mm. i think there's some really cool hazy sort of desert stoner vibes on this album as well a song like the nine minute desert rambler um has this beautiful almost kind of psychedelic midsection before it's hypnotic 
ending riff cascades like waves after waves after waves of blissful heaviness you know and that's a very kind of like shoegazy stoner type thing to do mm. um oh i was gonna say if, if there's several ways to skin a cat then hum prove there's several ways to play a riff too particularly at the end of cloud city which is a fucking great song cloud um, city is brilliant cloud city into folding i was really like yeah. this is fucking awesome i love folding it's great um yeah this is like this is a again a very very good record i would say if if i have a sort of it's not really a criticism but i mean because i compared it to failure i do just want to say like for me um failure exhibit far more in the way of uh dynamics not dynamics i was gonna say experimentation experimentation is probably not really true but definitely dynamics and light and shade I agree. Than this record does. I mean, it's 55 minutes long, this record. So it's yeah. a fairly big undertaking if yeah. you're somebody who wants things changed up a lot and who wants a bit of pace. There is, it does sort of sit in that pocket for yeah. pretty much its entire runtime. It's, it's, it's eight songs in 55 minutes as well. And only one yeah. of those songs is under five minutes long. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty dense, like you said, it's a pretty dense record. Um, but again, there's nothing on it that I would change and I don't find myself getting bored by it at all. Um, I think, like you say, they they change their riffs up enough and it's produced beautifully. Yes. Like it sounds, gr- it sounds great. That kind of chromey kind of 80s post-punk clang with these really warm, deserty sounding riffs melded together yep. is just a beautiful sound it's a beautiful when it's done right it sounds absolutely glorious and um i think this is again it's a bit like i mean when we talked about ghost poet and we talked about bob dylan about how those albums are both quite long and yet both of them sort of and not all of the songs are as strong as each other and it's not a consistently great listen all the way through but you're just happy to be sort of in that environment and i would say for kind of the third week running again I am more than happy to just sit in this environment of this really kind of, you know, sort of gothy, warm riffgasm that Hum yeah. create for sort of 55 minutes, even if I think Folding and I think you mentioned Desert Rambler, again, are probably better songs than like The Summoning, which is good, but it's not as good as the other one. Really is it like summoning so. step into you sorry no step into you i was looking at the shortest one step into you is the shortest one yeah well step into you is easily the most immediate thing on the record um mm. partly due to its length it's also the it's the closest it gets to sound to a single i think yeah i wouldn't be surprised i don't know if they're gonna bother releasing singles from this but if they do it should be step into you not because it's the best song but just because it's the most immediate i think um it's kind of it's it's so immediate that it's um it kind of it loses some but when you get like five or six listens in you kind of feel like you've done it don't you i know what you mean but i think those are often quite good singles though but yeah 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 i think it would be a good single but i think like you could say they're probably not going to have a single yeah 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 i think (laughs) and i think it kind of it stands out again it's a good it's a it's not a bad song it's quite good i think it's a good song actually but it's just it's not as it's not as interesting as the rest of the record yeah i think i'd be i broadly agree with that but i still think it's great um 
I, I think this is very, very cool and I like it a lot. And, and I, I have actually ordered an old Hum album as a result of it because I found it um, for a relatively good price. I was like, I'm going to pick that up because so, you know, I've, I've become a fan, I guess, as a result. I think I, I may well have discovered a new band who who I really, really enjoy and get a lot out of over the next, you know, however many years. I do think there are better bands doing this, though. Uh, this kind of shoegazy thing. I mean, one band that we, I haven't actually had an opportunity to talk about on this show yet is a band called Constance. Um, I might do... They released a record called Devotion, which I might do in a catch-up. Or we, Although even that, I'm not sure, because I kind of want to introduce Constance with the strongest thing that they've done. And Devotion is kind of like a mixture of B-sides and covers. Um, which is still fucking fantastic, but I think it just—I mean, Constance are a fucking amazing band. I, if you like this, I would actually recommend you check out Constance because they do this even will. better. I think mm. um, you can get all their stuff for free on Bandcamp if you so wish. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is still really fucking good, and I understand why people are going crazy over it. I think they're going a little bit too crazy. I mean, Brooklyn Vegas. Um, said that if this album had come out the same time as white pony then they'd be vying with each other for sort of album of the year status i don't think that's the case no. uh, white pony is a far more dynamic more intricate and frankly a more interesting record than this yeah but i do i do understand i do understand why someone would say that maybe white pony wouldn't exist in the in the way wouldn't sound the way that it does without hum that might that may I, well be true i think if somebody said i mean again not to make the kind of obvious comparison but you know, if someone brought said, "Oh, you know, the heart is a monster," would be vying with White Pony. I would go, "Oh, it's it's quite a big, quite a big thing to say." And if anyone was going to say it, I'd be probably be one of the people saying it. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I think it's um, a better shout than this. Yeah, but even that, I would be like, I'm "Not sure it's as good as White Pony." Like mm -hmm. White Pony's, you know, that I kind do of one one in a million records. You know, yeah, I do think that's OTT. But then you know, it's 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 important to sort of point out the reaction this album has been get garnering amongst our mm. peers, I suppose. Definitely. And I don't think we think it's quite as good as that, but I still think we think it's fucking great. I really yeah, like very it. Very good record. Yeah, it's very good. It's called Inlet. It's by Hum. Um, I would say go and check out some of the other stuff as well. I'm not really sure which one to point people in the direction of because I just sort of vaguely remember them sort of being around. I mean, I think... Um, people usually talk about you'd prefer an astronaut because that's the one that's got stars on it that's the one i ordered based on that right, and that okay. alone more or less but uh who knows i don't know all right well, okay all right fine um good we're going to move on to our last release of the week it is unashamed by glorious the debut ep from members of employed to serve doing a more bouncy kind of hardcore than their usual riff heavy stuff it's just a very short five track ep it's got a cover of typo negative on the end of it 10 out of 10 from me just for <laughs> that there you go done another day another band for sammy Irwin. uh <laughs> not to take anything away yeah. from him because to be honest uh everything that sammy puts his name to has a level of quality which is just fucking off the charts really um this is um very cool i like this certainly got a lot of energy uh justine is doing more of a sort of melodic scream inglorious rather than the kind of deranged bark that she uh employs for want of a better word and employed to serve uh it's far more it's punk. a yelp it's a it's a yeah mm. it's a kind of 
that sort of hardcore Yelp, that kind of um, yeah. Ray Capo youth of that sort of youth of the day, yeah. um, Gorilla Biscuitsy sort of hardcore. This is, isn't it? I mean, I, I yeah, I'm I like this a lot. Um, I like the kind of it's sort of that uber posy bouncy hardcore. I do this for myself, not for you. So go the lyrics on um, the kind of two step hardcore of myself. Um, and there are a lot of bands that you know from the past and through into the future as well. Really, like I mean, mm. I would say old um, Turnstile at their most sort of straightforward aren't a million miles away from this. Yeah. Uh, Higher Power at their most straightforward aren't a million miles away from this. I think you know those bands. Obviously, it's their main gig, so I mean Turnstile in particular are going out of their way to try and be as diverse and weird and creative as possible. This just feels like those guys from Employed to Serve paying homage to you know that kind of late eighties fast, bouncy, uber posy hardcore, which is yeah. great. Yeah, H two O stuff like that. You know, good good shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, and it, and it's done really really well. I think their metal roots do poke out such as on a song like the yeah, Opener, Unashamed, bit, yeah. which goes into a halftime breakdown feel that feels far more metal than it feels hardcore punk. Um, but to their credit, it sounds like a punk band doing a breakdown rather than a metal band pretending to be a punk band doing a breakdown. God, is that clear? Basically, cool. it sounds authentic. It sounds authentic is what I'm trying to say. Fucking hell. But I do appreciate I said that in a really round the houses way. Um, I think my favourite song on the record is Fake um i really like it's got a far more loose post-hardcore sort of style i think this stuff works best when a band feel loose and i think for the majority of this ep they sound loose but occasionally these sort of more straight down metal. the line metal tightens up yeah. Uh, yeah 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 which is not which that's not me going that style is bad it's just it's just i think the looser approach works better for this material and on fake mm. i think they get that perfectly um i love justine's aside of smells like shit to me uh fucking yeah. cool uh as yeah. usual as as per one of the coolest um uh front people in heavy music today shout out jj um yeah this is great oh and typo cover fucking brilliant it's great isn't it mm. yeah it is really good um such a great song obviously um but i really like what they do the- with it I really like what they do with it. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's turned from this kind of fast goth metal song into a fast, like, sieve. Like, they, they add this kind of, like, West Coast hardcore um, bounce and mm. yelp to, like, a Brooklyn goth metal band. Yeah. Fucking great. It's great. Really it's good. It's really cool. Yeah. It's a really good EP, this. Um, I'm not sure if it's long enough for me to be able to ascertain whether Glorious is a project that I'm going to want to hear loads and loads and loads more from. Um, but I'm certainly intrigued. And this yeah, is a I, cool little short, it's sharp really EP. Cool. Yeah. Mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I love little EPs. I mean, I have to say, I've said it a whole bunch of times over the years. Um, I love a little EP like this. I mean, I know what you're, I, I understand what you're saying, but just as a sort of, a little curio, like, you know, even if curio. it just ends up being this and nothing else, this little weird sort of curio five track, you know, EP from people who normally play massive fucking thick, heavy ass riffs, just going 
in completely the opposite direction. Mm. Um, and writing like and writing four really really cool songs that make you go sort of screw your face up and covering one of the greatest bands of all time. Um, yeah, man, I think like this, these things are are fun. When I talk about like having a bit of free time to yourself and going, what can I listen to? I love just going upstairs and finding like a whole bunch of like demos and EPs from back in the day. And you can listen to this in a few minutes and it's just a cool little scene points in it. Get scene points for knowing about this stuff, mate. In 20 years' time. Oh, have you got Unashamed, the Glorious EP, the only thing they put out? No, what's that? Oh, I don't even know who Glorious are. Yeah, I'm better than you. I know about I know about scene things. Um, <laughs> there you go. Be better yeah. with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, no, no. Like, in all seriousness, I think this is, uh, I think this is wicked. And I just mm. love these kind of weird little curios. It's a cool thing to, yeah. to have. So, Good. Well done, guys. Well done. Well done you. Um, there you go. Let's move on to Broken Records, uh, Renfrey. Our search for the worst record ever made of all time ever. Um, we have got a descending list um, of quite a few artists at this point. Bob Dylan's self-portrait sits atop or of the of the pile of bad records because it's not actually that bad. Um, Lou Reed and Metallica, Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music, Liz Fair's self-titled album. Lauren Hill's MTV 2.0 Unplugged, Bush's Black and White Rainbows, The Enemy Streets of the Sky, Dirty Vegas is One, Famous First Words by Viva Brother, Louis XIV's Slick Dogs and Ponies, Queen and Paul Rogers' The Cosmos Rocks, Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound, Eogan Quigg's self-titled debut record, Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2, Towers of London's Blood, Sweat and Towers, and Methods of Mayhem's self-titled debut album is so far considered the worst record that has ever been made but where does this week's entry rank in amongst that list this week we are talking about william shatner's the transformed man released in i don't have a spe- specific date i couldn't find a specific date for the release it's 1968 it came out it it's is al- the it's de- almost as if no one cared to <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> to make a note of it's it. the debut album from the actor William Shatner, which was originally titled William Shatner, James T. Kirk from Star Trek, from Star Trek, mainly to cash in on his fame at the time. Um, Star Trek the fans, al- Steve? No, 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 no. Rubbish. No, rubbish in it. <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> it is rubbish. It is rubbish. It's rubbish. I mean, it's rub. It is rubbish, isn't it? I have fond memories of watching The Next Generation when I was growing up, but I wouldn't call myself a Trekkie, Trekker, whatever the bloody terminology is these days. I I used to go to school with a guy called Adam Cluett and his whole family were Trekkies. And sometimes, uh, just because my mum would be working after I finished school, my mum would go, you have to go and have dinner around the Cluetts and I'll pick you up (laughs) when I finish work. And they were they were they used to go to Star Trek conventions and stuff, and they were I think the weirdest family I'd ever encountered until I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fucking hell! Okay, they were so weird. They were you weren't allowed to talk at the dinner table. Okay, they were like, "Don't talk while you're eating your food." Like, I you mean, I doubt silence. I doubt that has anything to do with their love of Star Trek, but cool. <laughs> no, no, but it's just showing how weird they were, and they really love Star Trek. So yeah. that always sort of made me go. I don't really think 
I need to watch this. And then I watched a bit of it and I thought, nah, it's a bit silly, isn't it? So yeah, not a not it, it, a Star Trek fan. It is a bit silly. It is a bit silly. I can't I can't really argue with that Star Trek. Sorry guys. It's a bit silly. But I mean, I I get it. You like a thing that's a bit silly or you like sort of like, you know, I, I we all like things that are but you know, my problem with so when people start saying that like Star Wars and Star Trek are like really, really brilliant, important pieces of art or what, do you know what I mean? It's like, no, they're not. They're just sort of popcorn films. That's all they are. And that's, that's fine. It's fine to be like that. But let's not pretend like they're these incredible works of art because they're not. Let's not pretend it's Shakespeare, Mr. Shatner. <laughs> oh. So anyway, this album was kind of conceived... <laughs> What this album is, um, it was conceived to meld famous pop songs of the time alongside spoken word sections. Um, Amazing concept. <laughs> that, as a concept, Renfrey, it hurts my shit. head. It's it hurts shit. my head that you would think that that was... Do you remember when the Millennium Prayer came out by Cliff Richard? Yeah, and it was... I do. It was around the millennium, um, if I recall. It was. It was number one as we uh, went yeah, into yeah. The, the millennium, I believe. Yeah. And um, so it was Old Lang Syne, the music, but with the words being the Lord's Prayer. And it just didn't Thanks for that, Cliff Richard. really work. I mean, what was the point of that at all? It was stupid. Uh, and And this is that taken to insane levels. Uh, of ins- I mean, we'll talk about our own opinion in a minute, but basically, I can't really get my head around who conceived that and thought, yes, this is a good idea. I, 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 I don't know. Anyway, William it's Shatner clearly did, William, William Shatner. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly just meant to be a funny little curio to make the label Decker a bit of cash off the back of Shatner being a big star on Star Trek. I think that's what this was. But is it? Because Mr. Shatner does appear to be taking it very seriously well that's for us to review in a minute let's just say um now there is in fact an interview i mean there's not a lot of critical opinion there's not a lot of information about this record unfortunately no robert christigal no robert christigal oh my god oh my god i've got to talk about robert christigal i just got to get this out since he's not getting a mention this week robert christigal um I found a review of, he reviewed the second, not the one with Jump Around On, the follow-up to the one with Jump Around On by House of Pain. Mm. And he said it is the hardest hip-hop album of the year. That was in 1994 when Illmatic by Nas came out and um, Ready to Die by Notorious B.I.G. came out that year. And Robert Christgau said House of Pain's second album, I can't remember what it was called, is the hardest, best hip-hop album of the year. I mean... That sounds like something I'd say. The gift that yeah, I know. I mean, you comparing Dizzy Rascal oh, to fucking <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna live that down. To, to like it was a fucking Mark pri- Morrison. It's a fucking private yeah, I conversation, and fucking I just I can't fucking live it down. Oh, I was gonna know. say Mark Morrison. I wasn't even gonna say that. I was like, you know, you thinking Dizzy Rascal was like current is seems sure perfectly fine compared to that. Anyway, yeah. let's not talk about Robert Crisco. He's a fucking fool. Um, <laughs> But there's not a lot of info on here. So I had to do quite a bit of digging. Um, and what I found was a podcast interview with Ben Folds. Fantastic. Love yeah. Ben Folds. Ben Folds. And I was like, oh, it's Ben Folds. 
Ben Folds tells how he met William Shatner and told William Shatner that he bought the album, this album as a child and he loved it. He's like, I love the record. It's so great, which is very polite of Ben Folds to <laughs> say that. Um, <laughs> uh, and William Shatner told Ben Folds that he recorded the entire album in one take in 45 minutes on his lunch break on a day when they were filming Star Trek. <laughs> oh my God. Is that so? Now? So. Did that if, come from the horse's mouth? Or was that, was that Ben okay, Folds? Ben Folds said, that, said yeah, yeah. this is what William Shatner told me. Crikey. Now, I don't know if that makes it true or if William Shatner was taking a piss or, or he was just making up a little legend for himself. Sure. I don't know. Sure, right? sure, 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 sure. But. It does sort of sound like that might have been the case. Um, (laughs) It does. does. So it's quite hard to find anything by way of critical opinion on this record. There was a retrospective review in 2011 from Greg Prato of um, All Music. And he gave this four and a half out of a possible five stars. Um, although it did come with some quite serious reservations. Uh, He 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 did have a phaser to his head at the time, though. Yeah, he said it's unclear if Shatner is merely having. I know we haven't got that. Um, it's unclear <laughs> if, if sh... <laughs> it's unclear if Shatner is merely having a good time and goofing around, or if he's embarrassingly dead serious and creating an overly indulgent work. Most of the album turns out to be a bit too tedious. You cannot tell if Shatner is play acting or painfully serious. The result is a must-hear, unintentional comedy classic. Uh, and he then compared it to Andy Kaufman. Um, in 2006, Q Magazine ranked The Transform Man number 45 on their list of the 50 worst albums ever. In 2000, it was voted number three in the all-time worst albums ever list made by Colin Larkin. Um, and in 2006, three. wow. Yeah, I know. In 2016, the American website um, Alternative Nation made it number one on a list of the top 10 musical oddities. It has achieved a bit of a cult following over the years i found a um a review on heritage music which said the transform man is a unique is an absolutely unique work of art with a capital a not just some joke a must for any serious collector of 60s records record collector said taken as a whole it all makes a precarious conceptual sense don ralke's upmarket orchestral accompaniment particularly on shatner's shakespearean turns King King Henry V, Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet merits comparison with contemporary arrangements by David Axelrod and Jim Guccero. Whilst the title track is a cathartic, straight-goes-nuts parable cut from the same cloth as The Emancipation of Mr. X by Chad and Jeremy and Tracy Jacks by Blur. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mm. over the years, I mean, the reason this is in here, even though we don't really have any particular strong bad oh my what is this awful reviews like we normally do over the years the character of william shatner and he's very much in on the joke now definitely oh god um uh if you listen to you know the stuff that he's done since then he's very much in on the joke um but at the time sort of djs and people were playing this and going have you heard this what the fuck like this is mad and that sort of over years and years and years people just sort of were laughing at this to the point where william shatner makes music now and deliberately does you know fucking rocket man or whatever and and deliberately does it sends it up 
that's one thing deliberately created as your own comedy character but the reason this is here is is this a joke or or what i mean well, i'm not sure uh, you read from a review there i think it was the greg prato one you were referring to where you said you can't really tell if it's play acting or if he's being painfully serious i th- I, I there was barely any points whilst i was listening to this where i went oh he's 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 in i didn't think he was in on the joke in 1968 personally (laughs) i thought he was deadly fucking serious um and oh my god i mean we've both been to drama school we both have a little bit of knowledge in sort of uh shakespeare monologues and so on and so forth i mean the manner in which to be or not to be recited (laughs) for example fucking hell (laughs) It's cringeworthy. <laughs> it's more often than not, this record sounds like a bad one man radio play than it does an album of music. <laughs> Steve almost dropped the mic there. Yeah, I mean, but more often than that, that's actually what it sounds like. Um, I feel like I've heard this album several times before because as you were sort of saying, there's so many sort of radio DJs and stuff picked up on it. It's been parodied so often that it felt like every single song that came in, I was like, I fucking heard this before. <laughs> but like, I've heard yeah. it on someone going, have you heard William Shatner doing Mr. Tambourine Man? It's fucking abysmal. <laughs> and it is, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> well, why is he so scared of this guy with a tambourine? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I listened to that, I was like, Mr. Tambourine Man, Mr. Tambourine Man. Like, what? <laughs> Why are you so scared? I don't think when you listen to like the Bob Dylan version or the Birds version of Mr. Tambourine Man, I don't think he's meant to be this sort of like psychotic character, is he? But yet William Shatner plays Mr. Tambourine Man like he's fucking Freddy Krueger. I don't don't know why. It's an alternate take. I mean, I'll give him that. Um, I mean, I do think that William Shatner probably sat down and went, how can I make this different? How can I totally change the form, change the minds of people and and bring my William Shatner-esque take to this material? And with Mr. Tambourine Man, he decided that Mr. Tambourine Man was a serial killer. Um, and it's yeah. an interesting, it's an interesting, it's a bold choice. That's what we would have called it, a drama school. <laughs> but if you're, if you're given the note, bold choice that's often that's often um uh shorthand for you went totally you went totally down the wrong alley there but fair fair play for having your bold choice but and you know i mean bold choice is all over this fucking record um i want to tell you a story about something that happened to me when i was at drama mm, school um which i think sort of um illustrates <laughs> what this album is right um so we were doing these sort of improvisational skills things and it was all about this sort of letting whatever truth you felt when you're in that character overcome you right so we were in this sort of we we're in this like box room and they got this guy up and he's a really good dude his name's sean right and he was a really really great dude and he was incredibly he used to actually be um he used to be a kickboxing champion right 
and so he was you know and he was like he was from south london he had this like oh yeah mate yeah just like really and he was like amazing like he was black and he was like really good looking he had amazing cheekbones he had like a fucking the this fucking rippling body he looked incredible mm-hmm. he was one of the he was such an atrocious actor i mean he was just <laughs> so bad it was fucking i've got so many stories about him from the time that i just he was just such his instincts were atrocious right and we did this um we did this thing once they were like right okay so you get two people up and you go this is what the scene's gonna be and we just want you to just do exactly what you would do like what you think that character would do and you you know you've got to completely go with it and just exist in that moment right and he was like right so it was him and his wife in this room and she was like um she came in she was like uh and he had to come in and go he he got given a note like I've lost my job, and then she had something that she had to tell him, and he came in. He was like, "Oh, oh I've lost my job. I've I've only gone and bloody lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do." And she went, "Oh, um, that's bad because we had the bailiffs come over and they say that we owe loads of money, so I don't know how we're going to pay that. And also, um, I'm pregnant." And he stood there for a minute, and then he jumped out of the window and he just ran. <laughs> <laughs> he just ran and he ran out of the and then he came back half an hour later and he was like i ran to the next town basically <laughs> basically like mad thing dude. what on earth are you doing like that was his reaction like that's what i'm gonna do it was so over the top that he to just grabbed fair, his bag that sort of shit happens at drama school all the fucking time it but does yeah yeah but, yeah yeah do you know what i mean but that is and that fucking bold choice Bold, bold choice. choice bold choice that's what that's what this is this it's very is bold the, choice very this bold album choice. yes this album is the sound of sean lewis running down the high street away from his fictional wife who's fictionally pregnant after losing his fictional job and just going oh god no like do you know what i, do you know what I mean because no one would actually do that in in the real world um no no well no no exactly no one would yeah. Uh, and there's so much in this where you go, I just don't believe <laughs> any human being would ever react to what is going on. Like you d- said, you don't understand what <laughs> what any of these songs are about, what any of this these like fucking passages from plays are about. You don't seem to understand any of it. You just want to say it with as big a gap and as, <laughs> as much like <laughs> overwrought emotion as you possibly can. It's mental. To be fair to William Shatner, I mean, this, like everything else, styles of acting um, go through different fashions. And to be fair to him, in 1968, I mean, even in 1968, I'm not sure if this style was... I I was going to say, come on. Um, but, but, But he comes from a very sort of classical Laurence Olivier kind of um school of acting i can't remember if i've said this on the show or not before but we did a um class at drama school once where we just sat for about two hours and watched various different versions of to be or not to be throughout the ages and the ones that have been considered for years and years and years some of the absolute best larry olivier for example looked fucking dreadful by today's standards because acting goes in different it, it, it changes um, constantly. It changes so sort of um, subtly that sometimes we don't notice it, but it, there's a far more sort of natural, naturalistic style of acting. It's like, what's, you know, the thing 
these days. Mm. And, you know, Shatner didn't come from that school at all, to give him some credit. I mean, it's so OTT, it's utterly ridiculous. I think one comparison I could um, make is with Tommy Wiseau's The Room. In that, I was going to say The Room, yeah. Yeah, in that, in a way, this album is... I mean, I do understand why this album has kind of... I do, I do understand why this album has endured, for want of a better word, because endured feels too kind. But it has, because there is a there is an element of it's so bad it's good, isn't there? Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is you, you really... I was completely gripped throughout the whole thing. We, yes, we've so had, was I. We've, <laughs> We've had albums on on this Broken Records that have been really boring and pointless. Mm. Yeah, we have. Kind of, that you know, have shown no sense of originality or personality at all. We've had albums that have been offensive, mm. like kind of musically offensive and, you know, in some cases actually offensive. Yep. We've had albums that have been embarrassing, yep. just an embarrassing thing. We've had albums that have been inept in the way they've been written and recorded and this is kind of all of those things yet none of those things do you know mm. what i mean mm. it's like mm. it's kind of boring because nothing happens really apart from man going like speaking over some fairly kind of wistful nondescript i mean he butchers like whatever's going on musically it does not get a look in does it it's like no 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 you can <laughs> oh, sort of put that down in the mix i need to go a girl <laughs> with kaleidoscope <laughs> That's so true. Well, the music is barely, I mean, it's Audible there. behind his yeah. bellowing. Like. Yeah, it, it, it is there, but it's definitely not the focal point uh, at all. At all. And there's definitely some ego at play here. Um, undoubtedly. Yeah. You, know, you go like, oh, your album is, uh, what do you think of the music? The music? Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, there was music on this album. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, like I couldn't it's... tell you. I couldn't tell you really what any of the music sounds like on this record. And I only listened to it this morning. Like, I can't <laughs> fucking tell you. I don't know. No. Um, and then, you know, and it is kind of, it is bad. But at the same time, you go, well, like you say, it's from that school of something. It's a really weird idea. <laughs> it's that's a, cool when I'm something. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. It's some, 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 some shit in it. Some stupid <laughs> yeah, shit. It's some like, stupid shit. I don't know what. stupid shit. It's like that guy um, in Fra if you said episode of Frasier when they get the old actor back to do this. Oh, you're such a great Shakespearean oh, actor. Yes, Derek Jacobi um, and they get him on stage and he goes, no. <laughs> I mean, there's something really enjoyable about listening to somebody who is such a fucking ham. Like, you know I mean? it's, it's like, you know, you do know no human being has ever spoken like that in the, in the history of human beings. No one has ever spoken like, no one, no one, you listen to him doing Hamlet. No one's ever spoken like that, ever. He's like, the truth of the Shakespeare, the bard speaks the truth. <laughs> <laughs> There's no truth in that. No one's ever spoken like that. When I was 14, it was a very good year. <laughs> no one's ever done that. It's so weird. 
And uh, the weird no. thing as well is the balls to just put like Lucy in the sky with to put the normal thing and then having a picture yourself on a boat by the river again. It's like it's not a horror film. This is not a horror film. What are you doing? And then they come in Lucy in the sky. It's fucking weird. It's well, so so weird. But again, you know, it is enjoyable to listen to. Regarding Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, apparently um, he wanted to, I mean, and again, you know, bold choice. He (laughs) he wanted to do it from the perspective of someone who was high on LSD. And but like for the first time and was going on a, a really weird, disorientating, not particularly good trip. That is his uh uh th- those are the 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 circumstances under which he is i mean obviously not you know he's faking it he's acting it but um those are the circumstances under which the, he's gotten to character with that and that's what he's doing with that and it makes <laughs> for a fucking mess but uh you know fair play i mean bold choices again bold uh, choices i mean this is full of bold i don't i mean i just don't even know where to put it because i i really liked listening to this i mean i actually it was so weird and so funny and like you say it's so bold and and because we, we of what we know about william shatner to now it's like judging it today's standards with what we know william shatner then went on to do and the way that he and how people think about him now this doesn't feel like a bad record it feels like a kind of quaint silly little you know it's not offensive or horrible or nasty or i'm sure the musicians on it are good we'll just say the musicians are good because like bless the bastards they, they turned up didn't they um and <laughs> only time somebody going a girl over the top of them um yeah uh i, so, I uh, yes uh, in terms of placing it yes um i haven't got a fucking clue um in fact i'm sort of tempted to take it out of broken records and maybe do a classic album special on it Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um i mean look we've got so we've both got quite a lot of joy out of uh listening to this record so really it has to go into the lower echelons of the league table surely (laughs) with bob dylan and lauren hill (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly well i think (laughs) i think i think like number 11 (laughs) number 11 Uh, number 12 that's bush lauren hill that's like the the yeah okay so this is how you split it up this is how you split up you've got Memphis and mayhem six feet under six um Memphis and mayhem and towers of london are abhorrent Abhorrent, you've got six feet under and eog and quig which are just appalling and really really appalling you've got that kind of Three of Richard Ashcroft, Richard Ashcroft, Queen, and Louis the Fourteenth, which is just kind of grotty and egomaniacal. And then you've got the dullards, haven't you? You've got Viva yeah. Brother, Dirty yeah. Vegas, The Enemy, and Bush, which is just so dull and pointless that you just think, well, why? And then you've got stuff like Lauren Hill, Liz Fair, Lou Reed, and Metallica, Lou Reed, Bob Dylan, that are actually not perfect, but good. Do you know like, what I quite like the idea of? A Lou Reed William Shatner sandwich with Lou Reed as the bread and William Shatner as the filling. And to be honest, that is a really bad way to, to do this. But I just like the way that would look. And I don't think putting it 
between Metal Machine Music and Lulu would be a terrible travesty. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna, it... I'm gonna, I'm gonna posit that it goes in between Bush and Lauren Hill, because I think Lauren Hill, it is Lauren, it's Lauren Hill is better than this. Is definitely far better yeah. in whatever way, although probably not as continually enjoyable. There is some kind of musical merit to it. Liz Fair, although some of it's a bit gross, it's got some musical merit to it. Mm-hmm. Metal Machine Music succeeded in doing a thing that it wanted to do lurie and metallica is just good fuck you bob dylan self-portrait is just good as well Mm -hmm. um bush the enemy dirty vegas it's just so boring like i already don't know i couldn't name you i couldn't hum you back a single solitary second from any of these records the transform man i will always be able to tell you i always be able to go mr tambourine man mr tambourine man for the rest of my life you know what i mean like that's there now so i think for that alone it should probably go in between bush and lauren hill yeah so it's not so it's better than the the awful stuff and the boring stuff but it's not really a genuinely sort of an album that has any real merit to it really i think you're absolutely right actually i think that's a perfect placing for it as much as i don't want to concede my lou reed william shatner sandwich (laughs) just because i like the idea william william shatner in you go next to bush and lauren hill what a funny bloke (laughs) what a funny funny, bloke yeah what a funny what a funny little man but he is he's done he's one of those characters that you know he makes the world a little bit better doesn't he he does yeah mr william shatner like fair play to him i mean he he's a total ham as you say but you know fair to I, i rarely go away from a uh from I don't know, taking in anything that Shatner's done without a smile on my face. And actually this this album did make me smile a fair bit. It also made me wince several times. But you know, <laughs> yeah. it did it did raise a smile quite a few times. And oh, I mean it's most hilarious. of these records most of these records have not done that. So yeah. No. Fair, fair it's too. a it's it's a fucking funny record. And I implore he's a funny I implore everyone listening to listen to this. Mm, you know, definitely. and that that's why it's like the room. Because you, you because you're kind of like, oh my god, this is so bad. You have to check it out. But yeah, I mean, it's fucking, it's fucking hilarious in in places. Yeah, it's it's really funny. I wonder how. I would. I mean, because it's it's like I say, it's so hard to look at it now because William Shatner is so in on his own joke now that he's a ham, isn't he? He's so in on that joke. But I'm, I tr- try and listen to it through. 1968 years and go what i mean the fact that it sounds mental fucking 40 50 years later yeah the fact that i listened to this and i was there kind of going i don't think i've ever heard anything like this you know and the record is um yeah 40 uh, no god fucking yeah 50 60 years old yeah oh 68 yeah yeah, so yeah 52 years old 58 years old oh fucking hell Matt. 52 years old <laughs> yes um but you know like it's it's astonishing really when you consider that um mm. and it's only half an hour long as well as what i was saying like 30 when i said 30 minutes only 30 minutes long uh, I it's mean, 37 minutes isn't it 37 yeah, minutes yeah yeah. yeah 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 it's not a long um, album fucking it feels isn't. like it sometimes yeah i was gonna say sometimes it feels long sometimes it feels so long <laughs> But but even when it feels really long, you're still kind of like on board. You can't with believe it. how long, yeah, because you can't believe how long he's making it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the thing. You just go, I cannot believe you're still 
doing this. This is you mad. Still, you still admire it in a weird way, even though you're like, mm. my God, are you really mm. doing this? It's, 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 you know what? You know what, Steve? Last thing I'm going to say on it. It's an astonishing record. <laughs> it's, I'm, <laughs> I'm astonished. Um, it's let's astonishing. Add, let's, something's going to have to follow this and it's going to be a difficult thing to follow. Let's see what it is. Oh, no. Oh, well, oh, that's no. fucking... That's ruined that, hasn't it? Um, next week, Uncle Cracker, double wide. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> Uncle fucking uh, Cracker. Your girlfriend laughing in the background there. That's quite amusing. Yeah, because probably um, she bought it, I reckon. Probably yeah. she's like, I love Uncle Cracker. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Uncle Cracker, double wide. We'll be talking about next week alongside, oh, I don't know what. Static X is out next week. Rufus Wainwright together at last. Um, uh, Puvris have got an album out next week. We'll see what we review next week. We'll see. Them, it probably. might it might be a catch up week next week. Who bloody yeah. knows? Who we'll knows? See. But we will be talking about fuck. I can't even get excited about that. Like last week, think how excited we were about doing um, William Shatner. Oh my god, William Shatner! That'd be really funny. Like I can't wait to listen to see how what's wrong with it. We already know Uncle Cracker's just going to be like, you boring, fat, it's just gonna be redneck shy. tosser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> furious. Um, Is this where you find out Emily's related to Uncle Cracker? Darling, you related to Uncle Cracker? <laughs> no. Oh, she was offended by that, wasn't no. she? Not, not, that, not that she knows of. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next week. Um, see you later. Happy 100, Steve. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, you too. Cheers. (laughs)